right, let's give it a shot. Okay. So we're going to start from the top? Yeah. Okay. So the first one is, in your view, what are the different stages of a relationship from interest all the way to marriage? Right. Okay. So um, in my view, uh, and, you know, I, I have, I guess, a more, um, it can be controversial or there can be different opinions, opinions that differ than mine. Um, but, uh, these different stages, I think do not have to be as confusing as they're made out to be. Uh, and, uh, I know here at the college, here at the church, sometimes it is, uh, practiced, um, the, these, uh, the blurring of these lines are practiced a little too often, especially when it comes to, um, the interest stage or it comes to talking, uh, this, uh, stage of non-committal where people are just spending a whole lot of time with each other without any, um, any, uh, explicit verbalized commitments or non-commitments, explicit verbalized non-commitments commit uh, commitments to say look we're hanging out obviously and you seem like a really great person uh but uh we're not in a committed relationship here and uh you know we're friends you know and that's that's fine but um i think from interest to engagement uh the first stage of course is i i think is when a young man uh finds an interest in a young woman now it could be the other way around however um it is uh, m it, it is not common practice for a young lady to intentionally pursue a young man though i have seen it done uh and that's not necessarily wrong uh, uh but it's not common practice and you are because of that you are more likely to be misunderstood as a young lady pursuing um but the first stage is interest. And uh, would you say that that first stage is what people call talking? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, because if we could replace the word talking with interest, I mean, I think that would be great. If we could just eliminate the talking stage because it's yeah. not even a real stage. Right, right, At right, this right. point, it's been polluted to be I am interested in you. The emotional gratification I'm getting from having your attention is great, but I don't want to commit to you. And I don't yeah. have a plan to commit to you. Yeah. So we're just talking. I, I do think interest in talking are unique, though. And I'm all for replacing the talking phase, as you mentioned. But interest is really completely unspoken. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I it's see. It's the, uh, you know, and this it's is It's the a, contemplation before anything is. Well, it's a horrible, you know, it's a horrible illustration. It's the only one that comes to mind. But it, it appears a lot like window shopping, you know. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> you know, you're you're observing, is, am I even interested uh, sometimes you don't know if you're interested right. in somebody at first glance. You're just curious. Yeah, and there's this immense pressure sometimes when you're just getting to know somebody as a human being. Right. Like, I don't even know what your favorite color is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But all the while, you're like interviewing this person subconsciously for marriage. And uh, I'm all for treating these things with more uh, in a more dignified manner in a more intentional manner but sometimes you just have to get to know somebody yeah. mm -hmm. especially in our culture and so i do think the interest phase takes is a period of development mm -hmm. but then to bypass the the quote unquote talking phase which is we have all 
of the aesthetics of a couple. Mm-hmm. The only thing we're missing is a public commitment. The commitment. We've committed to each other privately, mm-hmm. but we're afraid to commit publicly because there's ramifications of that. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to flirt with other people. You yeah. Know? Right. And, exactly. and it brings accountability yeah. from from people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I think there is a two stages of dating. There is um uh well, you know, maybe if you include being a boyfriend and girlfriend, which I don't know what to call that, you know, really. Uh but uh I guess that's the third stage. But I would I would categorize two or three different stages to dating. One Dating without commitment and without an understanding uh, that whether you are actually you will actually like that person or are interested to become or interested in committing further. I think there is a space where you can date without having any uh, um, ties to commitment and say, hey, look. Um, can I take you out on a date sometime? Let's just hang out uh, and let's go gra- grab some coffee sometime. Um, I think because our culture has pumped dating so chock full of romance that what should be a normal platonic uh, get together where p- two people are simply asking each other questions or just Ha- uh, hanging out and getting to know each other, that has been burdened by romance, and we integrate romance and even romantic feelings way too early. Um, and so, and because really Pentecostal young adults haven't really gotten a hold of that, the fact that you can ask a girl out on a date and it mean nothing, and you owe her nothing, and she owes you nothing, right? Uh, in, in other words, if you ask her on a date and she says yes, but, you know, she doesn't have to give you a reason for saying no the second or third time. Um, and if another gentleman asks her on a date the week following, there's nothing wrong with her saying yes. Why? Because there's no commitment. Mm-hmm. There is no commitment in the first gentleman. She is being a lady and she's saying, well, you know, you're you're a good man, you know, and. Well, who knows? You know, who knows what might happen? Let's just talk. Let's just uh, and uh, but yet nothing happens. It doesn't feel like sparks are flying. It doesn't feel like they connected, you know, very well, which there's problems with feeling not connected in the first date in the first place. I think you need should should give it a little bit more time to really discover who a person is. But um, that first stage, I think, is dating without commitment and without any expression of interest. Yeah, and, and I think the, among religious people, conservative people in general, there are two predominant schools of thought as approaching pre-marriage. There's the dating school of thought and there's the courtship school of thought. And they're, they're very distinct. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing is the more uh, the pure dating route. Right. Um, but what I've seen, and there's a courtship route, and if someone prescribes to courtship, I think that's totally fine. I think what we've begun to see, though, is this weird dating courtship hybrid yes. Yes. where we take the worst parts of both yes. and put <laughs> and them together. Fuse them. So we yeah. have the non-committalness of dating with the emotional Seriously. involvement <laughs> of courtship. Right. Yes. Or or at least not emotion. Yeah, the emotional yeah, involvement emotional, of definitely. courtship without mm-hmm. the commitment. Because courtship is, it, it's the old school yes. approach to father before yes. you even talk to them. Right. And this is pre-engagement. I am interviewing, we are interviewing each other 
for marriage. Yeah. yeah. That's courtship, and it's an older school of thought. Yeah. Um, no one, well, I c- couldn't say no one, but there's very few that practice pure courtship. Yeah. Now, I know some people say they practice courtship, but really you go back to the early 1900s and 1800s. Yeah. I think we don't necessarily prescribe to that, but more conservative circles yeah. um, don't practice pure dating right. either. Right. So it's this weird hybrid between um, between it's, it's dateship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so you know, and and I under that that's completely understandable in communities where uh, young men and young women know each other and have history with each other. That makes complete sense, right? Because so, like, if you have grown up with this young lady you're since you're in teenager courtship, courtship okay. like if you ju- skip some of the that noncommittal dating and you go into courtship, you've hung out with that lady, that young lady. I mean, you guys were teens in the youth group together. Now you're young adults, and you're like, hey. I just my eyes weren't ever open to her and she seems wonderful. Let me go talk to her father. That is fine. That's completely fine. However, we live in a world where young adults, you know, many times do not have very close communities like that. They have that one conference every year where they see a lot of potential young ladies and a lot of potential young men. How are they ever going to get to know them? How are they going to wait and well, you know, in three months we're gonna have another youth conference and young and, and hyphen conference, um, and I'll get to see her and hopefully I'll get to hang out with her then. That's one of the greatest reasons why we are experiencing a lot of marriagelessness in young adult in our young adult populations, oh, yeah. because we haven't normalized this concept of dating. If I have one shot, and I will not see this young girl another again for like three, four, six months. I need to be able to ask her on a date and yeah. say, you know what? Let's go out sometime. I know you're like two hours away from me, but you seem awesome. And, I, you know, it'd be great to get to know you. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Let's meet halfway. Right. You know, let's do something like that. Because a lot of these churches do not have extensive members or they don't have a lot of young adults that are around them. Yeah. And so they're limited. And, 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 and so dating without commitment I think needs to be more normalized. I think we need to open our eyes a little bit more to that, even right. our conservative. Well, that's circles. where the date, you know, I'm coining the phrase officially. Mm-hmm. That's where the date ship culture, you know, the, the hybrid between the two becomes so toxic. Yeah. Because people start to look uh, about these these dates, not as getting to know somebody, but the uh, public ramifications mm-hmm. of being seen with somebody. Yes. Because mm-hmm. that means they're interviewing they're each other for marriage. Right. Yeah. But but there's no actual commitment there. No. So everything's in, in the middle. And so Landmark just happened and I had many people, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so, ask so-and-so. And the first thing they would think is not, do I want to get to know that person? Mm. It is, if I endeavor to get to know that person, There's going to be public ramifications. People are assuming we're romantically involved Mm -hmm. because we're spending time together and getting to know one another. And people start judging potential um, spouses off of how is this going to look uh, in the public eye. And so, so many people miss out on genuine, good-natured people because maybe they're not the public Right. public image that they desire yeah mm-hmm. because we don't have a clear defined role and and i know culture has impacted our view of dating so much culture can be really annoying 
but you can't just will culture away. Right. right. We live in culture. Yeah. We talk whether we, we like it or not. Whether we like it or not, you know, and we talk about the Indian way of the way they do things, and that's important to reflect upon human nature and how things can be done in various contexts. But we can't just will the Indian culture of prearranged marriage onto our society. Right. We have to understand that we can look to a different culture and say, okay, the way we operate isn't intrinsically part of our human DNA. Yeah. But we're not just going to will our culture away and even our subculture. So we understand that we're in this weird dateship culture. Okay. As leaders, do we try to change it or do we try to navigate it? And I think that's where the conversation will unfold is how do we approach because we can't will those public ramifications away. Mm -hmm. You go on a date with somebody, whether we like it or not, people are going to assume that you're romantically interested in that person. Mm -hmm. Right. And you've, you've gone, if you've taken that step. So to pass the question back to maybe to Sister Vanessa, because I think ladies would meditate on this more than the men would what do you think would be a good thing to tell that generation do you just not care or what what do you think i think that it's because of the at least from the female perspective the female culture and how they view things i think a lot of that comes from ladies because they think well can i marry this person they're so far into the future than they need to be. Yeah. It's like, just go on the date, yeah. get a meal, see if he treats you well, be kind, right. be courteous, and learn how to get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. learn how to have dialogue, learn yes. how to be a little awkward and uncomfortable, yes. and learn these things. Like, it doesn't, that definitely is the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. but you're, you don't, you don't make decisions banked on yeah. And that, that really resonates. I told somebody that, recently like yeah. within the last couple of hours actually yeah you know they're just getting to know somebody and they're already thinking what kind of husband is that gonna be like yeah hung out twice you know yeah like, <laughs> yeah and uh and, and the person received it super well I'm yeah like, yeah i didn't even realize that but i mean and i get that from from being a young lady and then you know developing more and making my own mistakes and stuff I was a very serious person. I was a very serious person in this area because I didn't come from a family that was whole. And my whole life, I just wanted a whole family. I wanted to make the right decision and I wanted to have a healthy marriage and I wanted to have a healthy family. So I get that it's weighty. Like I get that you do have to put that on the balance and the scales at some point, you know. So it is the act of realizing you don't just date frivolously like in a toxic way like you don't just flirt with everybody and date with everybody and try to make dates for yourself and try to get dates from guys like Mm -hmm. of course you don't do that you know we're not saying like yeah just date and who cares no we're saying date in a healthy way which is don't look too far in the future don't be too whimsical about it like know that obviously the intention is to get married eventually but you have to take one step before you can yeah. Walk in the trajectory that you're trying to get to. Exactly. You know, and enjoy yeah. that that one section. Yep. Like don't overcomplicate yep. it. You know, yep. and, and I and I you know, we mentor a lot of people and I have mentored some young ladies where I said, Hey, you know, they're getting caught up in this and that and this and that about this guy, but across the board this guy's a good guy. You know, there aren't yeah. super major red flags. You're getting caught up on little things here and there and ministry things here and there and it's like just get to know him. Yeah. And all those things will go away yeah. because when you get to know somebody, 
then you it becomes a little more concrete. Okay. Yeah. This structure is really not my yeah. vibe and I don't think that's going to work out for me because now I know I'm not just going into all the things that I think about this person. It's like, oh no, we've had conversations and we don't really click in some of these things, you yeah. know? So the only way to get to that point is to not overcomplicate it and just live through it yeah. and actually get to know yeah. a person. Yeah. yeah um, just a little tip for individuals who are in that stage where there isn't commitment, you don't know if you're interested, uh, but you're just discovering who that person is. Pro tip here, okay? Ask your friends, your family, or people that you trust enough questions to check off the big picture items. Are they apostolic? Do they love God? Mm -hmm. Are they moral? However, do not ask detailed questions about them. There are certain things that are designed, that are supposed to be reserved for the wonder of dialogue and conversation, right? So if you ask her best friend, what's her favorite song? And she tells you, uh, what's her favorite gospel artist? And her friend tells you, uh, you have now forfeited the joy mm -hmm. of asking that of her, her yourself and her saying, I like this artist. And you get to say, me too. I love that artist. Otherwise, you have to act like you never heard it. And it's like, oh, really? That's your favorite color. Oh, I did not know that. You liar. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've been, you've been investigating the whole time. You've been asking her friends. You've been asking her, her you know, his friends. What does he like? What does he do? What, what is he, you know, what is this? What is that? And yeah. you are discovering things out of your insecurity, not because you actually want to know. It's just you, you're insecure and you want to know ahead of your time. There are certain things that you need to reserve or a coffee yeah. and discover each other for yourselves, right? Yeah. Be and, and that also is very important for one thing, to fortify a very natural and organic conversation when you date, and two, to not allow your friends and individuals around you to overly influence a decision that you need to make for yourself. I cannot tell you how many people you know, we just counseled somebody as well, you know, not counseled, but, you know, we're, we're in conversation with somebody as well who who uh, whose friends said, well, I don't like that person. You know, oh, no, they're not. I don't think that. And it influenced their minds way too much. But now they discover actually this person's really great. They're awesome. And they listened to their friends. They listened to their acquaintances a little too much. And they allowed their minds to be burdened. Uh, this this time period that is meant for discovery without commitment was burdened by other people's voices, and they were and they were biased by other people's verse, voices that they could not consider that person for themselves. Right, and, and there and there's intrinsic red flags that we should share. You of know? course, if, if someone's That's, a straight yes. creeper, Absolutely. tell your friend. You know, Please. Yeah. but you know, at the same, Josh, we have this hilarious story, bro. We have this hilarious story. Between me and you, and we were on college tour many, many years ago. And you remember we were with our good buddy Mike. Mm -hmm. And he, I mean, we're driving coast to coast. Yeah. And the whole time, and for years, our good buddy talks about this Chinese restaurant that oh. he, 
that he loved. <laughs> he oh, talks yes. about it. He oh, said, because yes. we'd take him to Yendu, and he He's said, like, no, you think this is good? No, we got, got this spot out in Maryland. Coast. And he talks about it and talks about it and talks about <laughs> yeah, it and talks about yeah. it. And we're getting pumped, and we're in Maryland, and Josh says, bro, all I know is I want to go to that Chinese restaurant. <laughs> you got to take me. And Mike is like, done. done and I dad, love food. <laughs> dad, we're going. We went to this Chinese restaurant, and it was the most basic. Generic. <laughs> The most basic Chinese cuisine I'm I've so ever, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I've ever experienced. It was not bad, but it was just it yeah, was no, it, it was, was Panda it was, it Express was with a different logo. You yeah, know? yeah and, it was decent. It was and, decent. And and I remember, you know, and Josh talked about, you know, he tried to like unpack Mike's just you know his distress. He's like, you're you you're emotionally affectionate, and you have a bias, mm-hmm. right? You have a bias because you grew up here. Well, some people have certain type of biases when it comes to certain types of people. That's mm-hmm. right. They wouldn't date them. Yes. And so they encourage you not to date them. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, again, if we're talking about red flags, those are That's one different. thing. There's a couple. I won't say their name, but they're in the Bible school right now. And the young lady came up to me and said, so-and-so asked me on a date. What else do you think I should go? And I asked her, and she said, a lot of my friends say I shouldn't. I'm like, okay. Well, have you ever talked to him? He said, no. He said, have you ever come to these conclusions about him yourself? Very good. She said, no. Mm -hmm. So would it hurt to go out and see if these things are true or not? She said, no. They went out, and they've been dating ever since. Love it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And and the bias works in the opposite way. I've had people tell me, to keep the food analogy alive, I've had people tell me, don't go to that restaurant. It's not good. It's horrible. I went there, I you know, picky friends. And then just because life and location, you end up going there, and you're like, whoa, this place is Decent. great. I don't know if you had a bad experience, mm-hmm. you had a bad order, you had one bad. You ever look at, like, a five-star restaurant? There's going to be a one-star review no matter what. Yeah. Right. And I think this is important to stay on this illustration because I've always thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a Yelp for people? You know, oh, how much would you act better oh, if you knew hilarious. people could rate you? Yes. You yes. know, let me check this. Whoa, he's got one star review. <laughs> but I mean, to, to take a step back, some of my favorite restaurants in the world who I would recommend to anybody yeah. have one star reviews. Yeah. yeah. You know who has the most one star reviews in the world is Disney. You know who has the most five-star reviews in the world? Disney. Wow. Right? right. It, it doesn't come down to um, good or bad. It just comes down to interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some people have a lot of interactions. Yep. Might have caught the person from a bad angle. Yep. You might have. They might have been having a bad day. Goodness that gracious, happens. I have my bad days. Yeah. Right. You know, you're zoned by. Yeah. Josh, you ever walked by a student? You're so in the zone. 100%. They say hi to you, and you don't realize they said hi to you until eight minutes later. Right. And you're on the other side of the campus. And you're like, and oh, like, my oh, gosh. They he, said they're going to think I didn't care about I don't and care And there's about your one-star review, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. Professor, I bring a one-star, you know? And, yeah. But everybody knows that's not who he is. Right. So. And so as far as just supporting your your first point, yeah. getting to know for yourself. You have yeah. And how many times do people chance. get things out of context? Yeah. Even it's like, um, you know, who's their favorite artist? And then you ask them, who's your favorite artist? And it's completely different than what was told you. And it's like, how did they tell you that? Well, I don't know. You yeah. know, and so secondhand information yeah. is not a way to get to know somebody. No, it's right. not. You know, it the secondhand research can be valuable 
in some ways, especially if you want to make sure the person's legit. Absolutely. So going 100%. to mentor, Mr. Vanessa, what do yeah. you think of this guy? Brother Abrego, what do you think of this guy? And and better people who don't have a stake in the matter. Right. right. That's it. That's because I a lot of people's friends are interested in the same person, and they'll say, no, I don't think so. Yeah, no. I don't. Little do they know your <laughs> friend likes that person, and they're telling you not to because they want it. Okay, just look. Dating culture has created a mess, uh, and thank God I'm out. Praise the Lord, yeah. <laughs> Mary. Praise God. Yeah, but uh, but there are multiple reasons why you need to get to know for yourself. Yeah, and it's a Rehoboam situation, right? Asking the elders versus the contemporaries, mm-hmm. because you know, point of vulnerability. Asked my wife out, and we started to get involved with one another. You know, as far as being interested in one another, and she asked her friends, mm. and. Out of her five friends, four of them said, no, I don't think, I don't think he's good for you, blah, 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 blah. One did, and they liked another guy for her. Mm Mm-hmm. That other guy is completely backslid to this day. (laughs) Wow. Never amounted to anything. And not that I'm just this great person, but like. Sometimes your friends don't even have the experience to give you good advice because yes. they're yeah. in the same boat as you. Yeah. Yes. It's like going seriously. It's like going to someone yeah. who doesn't have a driver's license. Yes. And asking them for driving advice. Right. right. Yes. You right. know, and I, you know, it, I remember when I first got married, all these divorced people would come to you and give you marriage advice. <laughs> and, you know, and I remember one person came up to me after I was married. He said, how are you, you know, enjoying that wife of yours? And I was I just married a year. And I go, it's wonderful. It's such a blessing. And he said, well, not for long, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's going to crash. And the guy has had two marriages, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I have officially set in my mind that I'm going to do the opposite of yeah. whatever you tell me. Right. To. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of single friends, yeah, right. they're probably not the best ones to <laughs> get not, dating yeah. advice from. Right. Yeah. Not that they're not good friends and good judges of character and they love you. And But as far as how to have a romantic relationship, go to someone who's been there yeah. and has done it successfully. Right. Yes. Not exactly. somebody that has been with a bunch of people mm-hmm. or has never been been with anybody at all yeah. Yeah. it's not that they they're not wonderful people with, yeah. with with good points of view but if you're going to make a concrete decision off of somebody's advice and ironically enough all those people were single that told my wife not to date me and some yeah. of them are still single oh my. yeah 14 years later you wow. know? yeah so they're not very good character, obviously <laughs> you know all right second stage second stage and we'll we'll blow through these a little quicker here to get into the other questions Second stage, I think, is dating with commitment. In other words, you have chosen to date each other more monogamously and saying exclusively, we're getting to know each other. At this stage, I'm interested in you. At this stage, I like you. I like hanging out with you. And that's Let's see where this is going forward, Mm -hmm. right? The first stage is no commitment. Don't speak of liking. Don't speak of interest. Speak of your favorite colors. Speak of your favorite cars. Speak of your favorite songs. That's it, all right? Second stage, you can start talking about interest. Look, I'm interested in you. I like being around you. I like hanging out with you. And and at that stage, when both of you have expressed that kind of interest, then you can start releasing a little bit of the romance. Don't burden that first stage with flowers mm-hmm. and romantic, you know, romantic 
dates where you take them to fancy Rose restaurants and because candles you have to realize, and, yeah. at least in Stockton, there's only a certain amount of restaurants you can take them to. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, what if you spend all of your good restaurants on one person and you got nothing to do? You got nowhere to take the other ones, you know, who you're really interested in or someone who you're really interested in. I mean, you know, it's it's it just just imagine that a girl that a, a girl that you're interested in finds out that you took her to the same exact first date that you took another person. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, so save those. Go to a coffee place, you know. The second one is is committed. Then the third stage of dating is that boyfriend-girlfriend stage. At that stage, then, you need to think about, between the first, the second stage and the third stage, you really need to think about uh, what are the expectations of her family. Uh, because we're talking about her family because I do believe that there is a level of... Um, I do believe that there's a level of uh, uh, assertiveness that the man needs to take in pushing this thing forward. I do believe in chivalry. I do believe in a, a man has to, in, in some way, drive initiative, initiative, right? And the woman uh, puts boundaries and says, yes, but this far. Yes, but that far. Yes, but this far. And so at that point, then you need to think about talking to her parents. Say, hey, look, I really, I really like your daughter, um, and I'm very interested, and I wanted to get to know you uh, uh, as well, or at least I wanted you to get to know me and show you who I am, present myself to you. Um, different cultures have a different uh, a standard here. Some cultures at the beginning of the interest level, that should be done right away. I know in more traditional Hispanic or Mexican culture that I'm a part of, that that meeting the parents is actually way earlier than other more westernized kind of americanized approaches where you're really not meeting the parents until she's your girlfriend like way later on uh, but at this one like the approval of the parents is very important early on you really have to use wisdom according yeah. to your cultural context not even just your cultural context but the situation in which you find yourself in because right. if you are a caucasian person dating a hispanic or more traditional hispanic yes. person because i'm very americanized hispanic and I don't think my mom would have ever said I need to meet them before. You know, it wasn't like that for me. Mm-hmm. But if you are found in a situation where you have a culture that's not necessarily yours, but you're now in a situation with a culture that's different to yours, you have to be wise and sensitive yeah. to whatever situation you are in. Yes, and, and there's and not age a stencil. Has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, yeah. True. Yes. If you're 18 years old versus if you're oh, yes. 35 years old, definitely. Right. You know, all of these stages are going to be accelerated. Yeah. Like the talking stage, or excuse me, the get to knowing stage, mm-hmm. really is going to be a lot quicker in yeah. general. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, in our circles, there's just less options in general. Yes. Yeah. The older you get, just just as life, because we get married younger in conservative circles than any other circle um, and then it has to do with our abstinent practices um, which is a good thing but if you're 18 years old the getting to know stage could be six months mm-hmm. it could be it could a, be a year yeah. and the dating stage in particular could be four years right i'm not a you know nobody is opposed somebody who's 35 years old meeting someone and marrying them you know, within that year, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you have nothing to wait for at that yeah. point. Definitely, you know? yeah. Definitely. Why are you going to wait till forty just because? Yeah, yeah, you right. know, yeah, yeah. And and just to add to that, what a nuance that I guess we should have said from the very beginning is, is I think our audience here we're directing our words towards young adults. 
this these this advice here is not for teenagers okay yeah, yeah, good, this is not good. for people in the youth group right yeah. so yeah uh if there are teenagers listening to this you have to realize that you need to get your instruction really from your youth pastor mm -hmm. or, or the leader that's over you your parents. parents you need to sure. let yeah. them your parents need to really have a say in how you approach pursuing an interest so this is for young adults who have jobs they have responsibilities have the ability to get married exactly not the elders they could pay ministry. for a date yeah. right yeah you have a bank account praise yeah. god uh you you need some of that so that's the audience that we're yeah. really talking to yeah and so and that that third date is finally the boyfriend girlfriend stage of dating um after that then it i think it should it can and should at least amongst adults who are more mature it can progress a lot more quickly too than the engagement, engagement. stage yeah. uh and stuff so that those are the general um, um those are the general uh stages that i would say and in engagement actually this may come to a revelation uh, as a revelation to many is engagement is actually the only relationship that's that's where god begins to recognize the relationship between a man and a woman is engagement dating is not recognized in the word of god it's not recognized in the bible we've created that in modern times and we talked about that in last episode so we don't necessarily have to rehash it but engagement that is what's recognized by god and unless this is my opinion and we'll, we can deal with it in part three where we're going to talk about engagement. In engagement, unless an individual has backslid um, and walked away from God or there is something that they did not reveal to you that is major that could have broken the deal off, I believe is it is close, as close as, and maybe harsh, but this is how I feel it uh, and I see it, it is as close to sin as it could get and it is not the will of God for an engaged couple to break it off. It has to be for a major reason. Once I do has been said, that is the first level of covenant. And at that point in time, the wedding should happen unless there is some exorbitant reason mm -hmm. that it, it should not, right? And so we can say that you had for a later. Fight. But yeah, because you had a fight. Well, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm willing to, you know, do this after all. I don't know if I'm willing to move there after all. I don't know if I'm willing to, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever thing. That is just not good enough for an engagement. And and this has and this is really important, right? Because I know I I have never heard in the past 5 years. I have never heard of so many engagements yes. in our movement. Yes. That have been broken in my life. We have to it's we have amazing. to be careful not to lose the reverence yes. for the things that the word of God and that God has that reverence. reverence for. Yes. Just because our society right. or our culture is progressive Ooh, yes. or whatever. Yay be yay and yes. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. And if you're not sure of the yay, then don't, don't say, say yay. It. Then don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah. Say you need to get a t-shirt. Don't wait. say yay, say nay. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that actually. Don't say yay, say nay. <laughs> I wanna I I wanna add one thing to the dating realm before we move on to the next question, which mm -hmm. is a really good question, which is for the phase of getting to know somebody. Because mm -hmm. these waters are really hard to navigate. I mean, yeah, as a single person. So with all grace, we approach these topics because we've all had um failures in dating and successes in dating. Yeah. So no one's going to get it perfect, but just an idea, pro tip, another pro tip is if you want to get to know someone and you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily ready, you're in that interest, that silent interest phase, and you want to get to know someone and you're not ready to ask them out on a date mm -hmm. because of the 
you know, ramifications, social, social you know, create a situation where yeah. they're around, That's you fine. know, go hang out with people, with people. and observe and yep. admire and spark little conversations. I'm going to ask a question fine. and I, I just pass it to you. What is y'all's opinion in the context of the getting to know phase of sliding in the DMs? Sliding in the DMs. You take it first. I, you know, good or bad, positive or negative. I don't know. It, it is I've the never... getting to know. It is the it's the arrowhead of relationships. Oh, it's the gosh. piercing of the, yeah. the the fourth wall. You know, I it's hard for me to speak to that because one, it, it was never it never happened to me, and I right. think it's a little bit away from our time. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. It I, became I popular media in over a decade. Yeah, yeah. So I, I barely like get how it works. It like social media came on the scene when we were young with the MySpace yeah. thing. And then the Facebook came and then the Instagram came. Like I was in high school when Instagram came out. Like that was in my high school time. Yeah. So the DM thing and all that culture came way after. Yeah. But to my our audience, time. I mean they're inundated in it. There are yeah. there are people But sometimes it works. That Instagram DM each other over texting each other. Yeah. yeah. And they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's how they communicate yeah. through DMs. Yeah. Because yeah. it's encrypted yeah. and if anybody grabs their phone. Yeah. I don't know. But the thing is for me too, which is hard for me to speak to, right? Because it's like people from cross countries have done it. They've slid, you know, the the male has slid into the DMs and they're married. Yeah. And they love each other and they're happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know several, not just like, oh, I know of a story from someone that told me. No, I know several people yeah. personally. Yeah. So it's like they're still getting to yeah. know each other. Right. I mean, if you do it right, but I then, guess. But then the challenge is... A lot of times, people that have the boldness to slide into DMs mm-hmm. are sliding into many DMs. This is true, and that exacerbates that that social pressure we were talking about. Uh, now that person seems like a player, or, yeah. or yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. And so, is there a way to ethically slide into multiple DMs? I think. I mean, I don't think you should be sliding into multiple DMs. Like, if you see one person and you've kind of followed them and you've seen them here or there and you've kind of are interested right that silent interest and i think that silent interest stays silent until you're ready to make your move Mm -hmm. you're not going to make your move like that on 10 girls yeah that's unethical right you know right i i agree i agree with that but on the other hand i also do not see a problem with an individual dming multiple people i i really don't uh, you don't know if she's going to message you back. Are you just going to wait and become a skeleton, you know, uh, waiting for someone to answer you back? I feel like there's a lot of young men uh, amending this public. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Now, be modest. Be respectful. That's a good. DM the way that you would uh, introduce yourself As to young Jesus adults was in the lobby, DMs. right? Yes. Yeah. If, As if Jesus, Jesus read would, yeah, your DM, right. would he be you know, sad? Do it the way that you would, you know, say hi in a lobby. Say, hey, how are you doing? What's your name? Yeah. Well, this is hey, how are you doing? What's your name? There's nothing up, up with this, yeah. you know. Uh, shake hands, in yeah. other words. Don't be sleazy or weird, yes. basically. Yes. You oh, know? Or good. off color. That's yeah. Really good. Because sliding in the DMs has always had a negative twang to it. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Like putting a, a, a holiness spin onto it yeah. is... Yes, it is, you know, an unethical, not unethical, but um, it has been an uncouth way to develop a relationship. 
at least as far as reputation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just be a Christian no matter what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say this, you know, it, it, very early in my in my young adulthood, I entered into a relationship with a young lady. I was very immature. Uh, that was completely through text messages. Uh, we would message each other over a hundred, 150 times a day, like during work, texting, 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 sharing information, saying things to each other. Uh, and let me say this, that it, that was naive of me. It was immature of me because there is no possible way that you can get to know someone through DMs and mm-hmm. through text messages. If you truly have an interest in this person or are curious about them, I believe a young man should progress to getting her number as quickly as he can because there's something unique about hearing the voice of another person and interacting with them. A lot of people spit a real big game in the text messages, and it's because they have the luxury of reading it, thinking about it, and then producing a response that they would have never produced. Yeah. Maybe that's like live and in color. Maybe that's like a whole nother a whole nother podcast topic because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about situations that my friends have been in when they've entered a relationship virtually, Mm -hmm. right? And the one that I'm thinking of was very healthy because the man led the way. Mm-hmm. He asked for the number, yeah. and then not only did they progress to talk on the phone, but he eventually initiated FaceTiming. Perfect. I feel like Love it'd it. be great to talk about that, like what happens if they don't do that? Like, right. When does it become a problem? Like, it's, why doesn't he yeah. want to FaceTime? That's weird, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, oh, and then and Josh hit the nail on the head as far as the negative, the dark side of this, because you know we've all had to endure the drama where someone has to show you the dreaded screenshots of the DMs mm-hmm. and. The things people said, and you, man, I never thought they would say that. Well, there is a different mentality that comes over somebody oh, yeah. when they're in their bedroom, yep. the lights are off, yep. and text you're confidence. hidden behind a screen. Oh, yeah. Text confidence, things that they would never say in person. Mm-hmm. And um, But you know, maybe it is a good thing because it does reveal the true nature of that person's heart yes. early on. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative quite yet, but it's very interesting to think about. Because it's that that YouTube commenter. Yeah. The the thumbnail is a random stock photo of something that's not them. Their name is not them. Their their identity is completely hidden. Yeah. And they full paragraph roast whatever's yeah. on the video. Yeah. They would never go up to that person in their face and do that. And actually tell right. them. Yeah. And it's the same thing with dating yep. via the DMs most mm-hmm. likely. That There's certain things boldness. you wouldn't have said yep. in person. And then, uh, but you will over over DMs. It's yeah. that screen boldness. Absolutely, screen boldness. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You it, there's something just beautiful about just live and in color human interaction. Yeah, go into the wild of of, of dialogue. Yeah. It is a wild world. It really is. It's crazy because you're right in front of them, and you don't have the luxury. Like like if she says something that was obviously not funny, okay, on the text, you have the luxury of saying. Oh man, that's hilarious! Uh-huh. LOL. But uh-huh, in uh-huh. person, you would have never laughed at that. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no way! And they I would know, have felt yeah. that. They yeah. would have felt. There's something you need. We need our young adult relationships need to be way more intentional yeah. because of how inundated they are yeah. with technology. You just need to be more intentional about practicing organic yes. friendships. And then beyond that, like once the FaceTime phase has been approached. 
it should progress to in-person visit. In-person visit. You yes. know, so yeah. that's a that's a really yeah. good topic. In itself. Let's let's go into yes. the next question because um, we're barely on the second one here. <laughs> yes. Why is it important to understand the emotional boundaries of each stage? Mm. Right. Uh, okay. So I'll I'll start this off here. Um, it is important because. Uh, I believe we should take the scripture seriously in Song of Solomon, where it says, I adjure you to not awaken love before it's time. Yes. Uh, I think we need to have a much greater reverence for love than we do. Uh, We need to fear that thing because love is a monster. Yes. And you can awaken love in the wrong time and with the wrong person. And once you hold love in your soul, those uh, those of of you individuals who are listening, who have held love and then ha- her heart has been broken, would rather physical pain be given to you than that emotional and spiritual pain. Mm-hmm. And it's because me- we introduce emotionally, we involve ourselves with fantasies and thoughts about the future of being with that person and we imagine walking by you know walking in the in the in the sunset at the beach and having a good time with each other and we imagine maybe having children with them and you're just barely dating yes and your heart begins to travel uh, uh, hypothetical situations that you were never intending to do, you will begin burdening what's supposed to be an organic, organically developing friendship. You will begin to burden that with emotions that weren't meant to be there. Yeah. Uh, and the dark side of that, uh, uh, I mean, apart from that being, that is a dark side, you know, because uh, it could, it definitely doesn't provide that organic growth. But an even darker side of that is that love between a man and a woman was designed by God to be experienced in the boundless context of marriage yes. where it can be fruitfully and powerfully without limits be enjoyed experience. That is where that kind of love belongs. It cannot be held without destroying uh, in a boyfriend girlfriend relationship. Oh yeah. You can't hold it. You take it that and put it in you. any other phase and it's destructive. It's going to destroy you because it's too strong. Yes. We were designed to be a reflection of God and the church and the bond that's between God and the church. God gives us a typological experience between a man and a wife of that bond, the greatest bond in the universe. Mm-hmm. What makes you think that you can appropriately handle such a powerful and sacred thing with a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Yep. Impossible. You can't even handle it in an engagement. And in fact, it's so sad to hear. But a lot of people end up crossing boundaries that they never should have crossed when they were engaged because of how heavy love is. Yeah. Right. You know? And I tell a lot of the freshmen that are so far away um, from that season of life where they're able to get married, I said, one of three things is going to happen as I see the relationship progress emotionally. One of three things. Either number one, uh, you're going to leave Bible college early and you're getting mm-hmm. married because the weight is too heavy. Mm-hmm. That's best case scenario. Yeah. Number two, you're going to break up because yep. you see yourself starting to cross lines, but your um, your moral commitment to God is so strong you yeah. won't cross those lines. Right. And you're at least wise enough to realize you can't resist. Yeah. So you'll break up. Back it up. Or number three, you'll fall. Yep. It. 
it Absolutely is it right. is always one of those three Absolutely. things. I agree. And and most of the time it's they break up and they they break up with the intentions of getting back later because you realize you can't put a governor on a motion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it it's uncontrollable. Yeah. All you can do is put yourselves in scenarios where a motion doesn't develop. Yeah. yeah. Don't cross. Don't talk about certain topics yes. until certain points. Yes. Um. And in the dating phase, in the getting to know phase, a little less in the engagement phase. But you are not required to tell that person anything. Mm-mm. You don't Absolutely. have to tell them yeah. anything. Yeah. Everything is voluntary. Voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um. Once you come into the uh, the marriage phase, there's um a, an understanding of communication at that point. Where you're going to talk about the deepest issues, but there's no limits at that point. Yeah, um, but under, safety there. But under the talking phase, or excuse me, the getting to know phase and the dating phase, um, there is no requirement to tell them anything. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell them anything. Yeah. Right. And so, better than not, you start talking about when you're in the getting to know phase, which is the talking phase. You start talking about what color your wedding dress is going to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. how many you're gonna children talk- you're going to have. And yeah, what you're gonna name them. And- I feel like even a, a topic that we don't address enough in this situation is spiritual things, spiritual mm-hmm. desires and dreams and mm-hmm. goals. Because as Christians, we're that's so intertwined in our identity and in our purpose and in our identity with God that a lot of times we jump the gun to talk about super sacred things that God has shared with us in our private lives yeah. and we give those over in the getting to know phase. Yeah. And now your your spirit and your dreams with God are exposed to this person that you're trying yeah. to get to know and it's intertwined because you've trust them with the, such of a sacred thing in your spirituality Vulnerable and in your thing, yeah. you know trust builds affection. Yeah. Yes. And and I I've done this in marriage counseling a lot when couples go through a really hard time with each other and say one of the spouses makes a mistake and it's not like a detrimental mistake it's not like adultery and um it's just a mistake they did something really stupid and they willingly come and confess to the spouse Um, a lot of times there's hurt there's pain but then afterwards the couple is stronger Mm -hmm. why because there was a trust built yeah even though he made a mistake he came and confessed it to me and so trust builds emotion well you come and share I've never told anybody this before. Mm-hmm. Well, if that person holds that yes. and handles it well, yeah. you're going to build an affection towards right. that yes. person. If they don't handle it well, there's going to be a distance. Right. Yeah. But if they take your secret and they don't tell anybody and they don't judge you for it, well, instantly there's affection that's built. Yeah. And so you have to understand that you can't put a governor on emotion. Once you start feeling, you can't snap your fingers stop. and stop right. feeling. Yeah. Right. I think everybody realizes yeah. that. Yeah. All you can do is put yourself in scenarios where feeling isn't going to be accelerated. Yes. Especially if you're 18 years old yes. and you are committed to getting a degree. That's what you feel to be the plan of God for your life. You understand that being married, working a full-time job, providing for your house, and getting a degree is not an optimal route. It's a doable route, but it's not an optimal route. Yeah. Um, it can be done, then you're you're going to need to put a governor, or not a governor, it's the opposite. You're going to need to put some emotional boundaries in place yeah. to drag this thing out right. a little longer. Right. Yeah. Right. But if you go full ham on, you know, the first, yep. um, you know, you go full send on the first uh, six months of knowing each other freshman year, Yeah. well then, brother, it's, you got three over. and a half years to endure no. that yeah. love. At that point, if you've done that in the, si- in the first six months, I... 
I almost recommend them, look, either break up or get married. Your guys are way too far along. I don't know why you're asking for counseling at this point. You all, yeah. you all are are emotionally yeah. like bound and to you each can't other. Go and back. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, but it's you out of can't its time. Pull it back in. It's out of well, its and time. Takes its and course. You, yeah. yeah, it's out of its time, and you can't you can't reverse it. Yeah. There's no way to like backpedal. Mm-hmm. From the emotional investment. And sometimes when you're 18, you don't know what you don't know. And nature takes its course where these younger kids, less experienced, don't, and they've never been in a relationship mm-hmm. before. They don't know what they don't mm-hmm. know. They get in this relationship. They see how quickly it is to, yeah. and easy it is to fall in love. Yeah. Then they realize, all right, we're, we're being tempted. We're going too fast. Or maybe temptation isn't the only reason, but we're going too fast. They break up. They go their separate ways. And they build a little wisdom. Now on the next relationship, they do take it a bit slower. Yeah. In general. Now right. there are there are people that are uh emotional junkies. Repeat yeah. offenders. Repeat offenders. But for or the most part. They get bitter. They get they get hurt for a long time from yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 But nature yeah. has a way of taking its course to mm-hmm. where you don't know what you don't know. But if the podcast can help you a little bit, yeah. right. listen, if you are four years away from uh from marriage, Hold telling up. someone you love them, pump the brakes. Within no. the week of knowing them, no, 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 or yeah. the month of knowing yeah. them is probably not right. the best. Not yeah. the best. Pump the brakes. In, in, in my when I was in college, I was determined to not even pursue any interests for the first three years, and I was successful. Right in my fourth year, then I was willing. It just didn't happen. Uh, and uh, and really, I mean, I'm so grateful that it happened this way. Although it's not the same story as many people. Uh, is uh, Sister Vanessa was my first girlfriend ever, you know, first girlfriend. And uh, I married her, right? And so, um, and, and I didn't, yet, I still dated young ladies. I They were never my girlfriends, though. We always got to a place because, because um, um, I practiced a certain level of modesty, moderation and wisdom in all of my relationships it progressed up to a point where we we said we we put the cards on the table and we said look are we ready is this something that we should move forward with and it always ended with no no you're a good person i'm a good person we're not good for each other and god bless you wherever you go right and cordially i like to this day i can look at them in the face and I could look at them with respect, mm-hmm. and and we cordially we part ways, right? Um, and so um, when you keep these boundaries, you will be able to practice a respectful uh, uh, um, dating life experience. Where you, ten years down the road, you can look at these people who you used to date, see them doing ministry, and root for them, yes. right? And say, man, I'm so glad. Why? Because you practiced a very respectful and modest and moderate dating life. And And you didn't cross these boundaries. I feel like that is one of the most biggest or the biggest call and charge for this podcast Mm -hmm. is that. Because I am not a type of person that did it right. Like my, my husband is a great example of it's possible. I am a great example of God taking your ashes and turning them into beauty, which is wisdom, you know? So I implore people, Mm. just try to do it right. Don't justify your actions. Don't try to justify where you're at. Don't try to justify that, well, but they're great. And, but, you know, but I think we can work. Just be an adult, 
get to the point, follow the boundaries, get to the point where you say, let's put the cards on the table. Let's just really be not partial and look at things for what they yeah. are. Yeah. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. And then you can walk away and see that person in 10 years with their wife and be like, oh my gosh, hey, and not have that yeah. malice or discomfort Nothing or awkwardness. Like because that will divide the kingdom of God. It will. It'll keep things from being able to happen for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. It severs relationship, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so you don't want to do that. No. Right. And, you know, and working in the young adult community, there's people that won't w come to a lifeline service. Exactly. Because they know the other person's going to be there. Yes, yeah. That and shouldn't and that's what I mean. Happen. Yeah. And it, and, and it does happen and, and bad situations happen. But as you've already mentioned, Josh, it happens way more than it should. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, and so um, these emotional boundaries, I am I'm a big fan of timelines. I'm a huge fan of timelines. Uh, so, for example, if you are in this dating stage where you're interested, uh, setting a timeline and saying, listen, let's let's how about we date for about three, four months. And then at the end of three months or at the end of four months, let's sit down and talk about where we're at. How we feel about how it. we feel about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm super. I'm a big fan of that. Why? Because the four months does a few things. Okay. One, it it protects you from yourself, and it gives you permission to say, "Ah, uh -uh, we can't enter into that conversation yet." Maybe after the four months, it gives you a reason to pull the reins back. Yeah. Okay. And also, two, it keeps the other person at the table so that they can really give you a chance and you can really give them a chance to genuinely discover yeah. whether this is something that should continue on. I'm a and, huge fan of timelines. Yeah, and of course, we're talking about a timeline, not necessarily like four months is the magic number. No. It's like per your circumstance, per your age, yes. per your situation. Right. But the timeline is the point yes. to put a timeline on things. And I think it's yeah. really important to express why these boundaries are so important. These emotional boundaries are so important. We've talked about it to people and I'd want to make sure it gets said on this podcast is that these boundaries are not walls. So yes. for people that come from trauma and like trying to keep things out of their life and they wall up, you can't, it, the boundary is not a wall that just keeps you in and traps you and you never date or keeps everyone out. Like that's not what a boundary is. A boundary mm -hmm. is shows you your marker yeah. and it keeps you where you're at. And naturally as you get to know a person or as you get to date a person, that boundary is going to start to get pushed. Mm -hmm. And that's a natural a natural marker to say, oh, okay, this boundary is getting pushed. We're wanting to talk about these things more and more. Yeah. We've been talking for two months. Let's let's sit down and yeah. chat because now I, I kind of want to talk to you about a little yeah. more serious things. Do you think we should progress into the next phase? Yeah. And you do what you're saying, which is let's sit down and have that chat. Yes. Because naturally, I kind of want to talk to you about my dad now like yeah. and, and my brothers and, and things that are a little right. bit more right. of this stage, not of that stage, not this one. Yeah. You like, know? like it, it, there's something beautiful about, I think, when a relationship is maturing and by nature it's growing and it's pressing against the boundaries of that particular stage. That's not evil. It's beautiful. It's it's wonderful because if if in the first three months, let's say you say, look, let's date, but we can only date once a week and right. uh, and spend maybe an extra day with each other. And by the right. end of the three months, you're saying, ah, let's go out again. You know, look, it's the last three weeks. It's like, I really want to spend time with you. 
those are awesome signs on the road that are telling you yeah. this good. thing is moving. Yeah. Like you're ready for the next level of commitment because naturally and organically you're growing out of that it's boundary. growing out of that boundary. Yeah. Time to set a new boundary. What's right. the new boundary? Right. Let's hang out more often. We're boyfriend and girlfriend now. Let's set the boundary. Keep that boundary. And it gives you another slow-mo, you know, until you reach the edge of the boyfriend, girlfriend. It's like, you know what? I dream about living with you yeah. every day. And like, I, I, and look, get yeah. engaged. As you know, we, do it. As we talk about these boundaries and like how it's natural to press against that, I do want to put the disclaimer that if you are feeling to cross the physical boundary way early, yeah, then you are a hundred percent chance that you are crossing all the emotional boundaries, yes, or and all the lust. time boundaries, oh, yes. and you're dealing with lust. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. That boundary shouldn't really be like super pushed or like no. getting to the edge, like until way marriage, like like you're about like it's three days from your wedding day type thing. Yeah. Like you hold that thing. There back. is a there is a, a fruit and it's called self control, and right. you should have it, right. and it shouldn't it's, be it's a problem. Like it shouldn't be a problem to, for you to have it through mm -hmm. the whole duration of this and, process. And Paul said, "I give no occasion to the flesh." That's right. why I am a big believer in the third party rule. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, just don't give it. Put those occasion. safeguards give, up for put yourself. The safeguards yep. up. And I think you, you know, if you're creating timelines, take your perspective potential for marriage. How far are you ready for the season of That's marriage? That's good, yeah. Four years. I'm I'm only going to be ready in four years. That might be wrong, but at least project. You probably need to take these four seasons and divide them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. At minimum, you know. Yeah. And We're so, dating for a year. And so if, <laughs> if dating is the majority of that time and engagement is a year and then the getting to know stage you probably need to stretch the getting to know stage out longer than a couple hours. You know, I probably yeah. need to, I really like what you say. I think this is very important for couples to understand that there needs to be boundaries in time that you spend with one another, regardless if you just love each other, you shouldn't be spending every moment of every day with that yeah. person. And let me tell you why, especially in this young adult context and in a Bible school context, you're only going to get this season of life once yeah. I remember there was one couple in particular when we were in school you were the student body president and they didn't go on the San Francisco trip mm. and I remember looking at them like where are you guys going and they said we just want to spend time with each other they were dating and we just wanted a day alone they're gonna sit in the student center all day and and so on and so forth and I remember telling them guys I was an upperclassman I was like guys if you end up getting married you're gonna spend the rest of your life with one another yeah you don't get married this is going to be a horrible waste because you could have had a great day with all of your friends there is no there's no lose for you going yes on this trip together right and they didn't get married you know and that memory they could have had with 150 of their friends was lost out yes because they put all their eggs into one basket right. which is fine in in a degree when you're talking about getting married but um you're only going to get this young adult stage my wife and i i thought we had really healthy boundaries mm -hmm. that we sat with each other at lunch when we were dating every single day uh, except one dinner and one lunch a week we would sit with our friends mm -hmm. and i even believe in marriage it's it's supremely important yeah. for you to still have friends absolutely husbands yeah, have guy times healthy. and wives yeah i always know couples that are going to turn toxic are couples that can only spend time with one another and nobody else absolutely mm. that eventually eventually you're going to get sick of the person mm -hmm. because it's human nature. If you don't have balance in your relationship, yeah. yes. if you're always with each other all the time, eventually you're going to get on each other's nerves. 
But if you don't build a fruit of healthy friendships and relationships, you're going to have nowhere to turn when you've been married for 10 years and you don't have any more friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you need to maintain friendships as well. It's very yeah. biblical yeah. that you have friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's part of an entire network. Now, granted, you're going to spend 95%, 90% of the time of your free time with your spouse. Uh, but how much more in the dating phase should yes. you invest into other friendships yes. and relationships? Absolutely. And building mentorships yes. and so on and so forth. Yes. And not just putting all your eggs into this basket. Yeah. Yes. And it's a lose-lose because you're emotionally accelerating, which makes you want to physically accelerate. Yeah. Right. And then if it doesn't work out, you went two years and didn't invest in any friendships. And now it's And it's lost. a net and loss. It's, yeah, yes. it's a time but loss. But there's no loss. loss for having a balance. Right. Because even if you end up with that person, you're married. You're going to spend the rest of your life exactly. with them. And you have relationships. And you have friends. Yeah. And you were able to You to enjoyed not, your time. Right. Yes. You had your experiences. You didn't Absolutely. shortchange yourself on opportunities that you could be involved in. The healthiest couples really are ones that are able to say, uh, in the dating phase in particular, we spend a lot of time with each other, but I'm not going to lose my mind and get jealous if we don't spend all the time. Yes. And you don't have to text me every second of every day. Right. Yeah. So on and so forth. Yeah. Right. That's good. And I think that is a huge, important point for for the audience that we're talking about the young adult and specifically the Bible college audience, whichever Bible college, because you live together, you go to class together, you eat, you sleep, you go to church, you go to chapels all together. So it's so easy to just be unaware that you have to safeguard yourself from that. You have to be aware that you have to have these boundaries of time and investment, the emotional currency that you're giving, you know, it matters. You can't afford to not be aware that that is totally not normal like this whole situation is not normal Mm. you know even on a even on a college campus like most students if they live in the dorms it's such a big campus you don't just see each other every day crossing like the one road that you have to walk to go to class right like you have to go all the way to the building that's on the other side of town to do this it's like a whole town it's not the same yeah it it is uh, we've always said that you know a week at christian life college is equivalent of a month anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. The hyper interactions. You, yeah. Every, every, you are married, you know, as far as time is concerned, yeah. but you just go sleep in separate rooms. Yeah. You know, and you eat breakfast together, you eat lunch together, you eat dinner together, yeah. Yeah. you sit on the couch and enjoy downtime together. Yeah. yeah. That shouldn't be happening early You're on, paying though. your bills, they're right there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right? And then you go to separate bedrooms, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Yes. So how do you know that the relationship is progressing towards a stage requiring greater commitment? I think we hit that one. Yeah, I think we hit it. The boundaries. What are healthy physical boundaries and how do you maintain moral body language? Yeah. Okay. Healthy physical boundaries. Right. I teach teach Christian ethics here at Christian Life College. And uh, in general, I think a very good principle is... You should not be touching, uh, when it comes to the physical body, any area of the body that is considered by God to be nakedness if it were exposed, Mm. right? You should not be touching any of that, right? Because there is a reason why that part of the body is expected by God to be covered in clothing. You're covering your shame. Uh, that includes uh, the the arms. It includes the chest area, the back. It includes the thighs. 
all the way down to the knees. Uh, it's a very good principle. In other words, uh, you shouldn't be walking with a young lady with your hand on the small of her back. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. shouldn't be doing that. That's a, you, you need to stop. That's a great right? standard. That's a great you, way to explain it. You know, that. you need to not put your hand on their thigh. Mm -hmm. Don't don't put your hand on their. You're just relaxing. You got your hand on their. That should not be happening. Uh, it, I think it's a it's a good principle to go by. Although there's nothing in the Bible that tells us explicitly don't do yeah. that. Right? I I think it's. A, well, I feel like it's a wise principle uh, because the Bible never foresaw dating yeah right? well, the bible does say in first corinthians it says mm -hmm. it is not good for a man to touch a woman that's yeah. what the bible says yeah and it's talking about in the context of keeping yourself sexually pure yeah and if you look at that word touch in the greek there is a, a sexual connotation to it a, a, a touch of sensuality right i don't think it refers to the shaking of hands mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know right. things of that of that nature um Though it, you know, maybe I'm not a Greek uh, scholar by any means, but um, it does seem that way. But he's saying if you're not married, mm -hmm. you shouldn't do, you shouldn't touch a woman in any way yeah. that would arouse excitement yeah. mm -hmm. through the touching. Now, the yeah. eyes, you know, is a different topic, which we can right. talk about, but, um, you know, it's going to be eyes and touch for the most yeah. part for yeah. men. You know, it could be through sound and whatnot, but yeah. Um, if, and th that is biblical, that's just yeah. Bible. Yeah. yeah. It's in, that's in our Bible. It's right. not good for a man to touch a woman, and we don't reference it a lot. Yeah, but it's yeah. there. Yeah, it's yeah. there. Uh, I feel we'll like I feel, um, it, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I have I have let young young women know when I'm counseling with them for my personal life and my standards. If if you if you engage in some type of touching that does cause that sexual arousal, that is already manifesting and tying your soul to that person in a way mm -hmm. like you were experiencing this arousedness that is tying you to them because they are now the face that that is tied to your heart for that emotion and if you're swapping any type of fluids or things like that like it you have already created a soul tie that's not supposed to be there yeah that is for the covenant of marriage mm -hmm. so i feel like make and this is where i say unpopular opinion i feel like the act of making out, not a not a peck or a kiss goodnight or something like that, but like making out that engages that that arousal. Like we, it's very common for our culture to just yeah. be like, oh, we're making out, yeah. but it's like you're not just making out; you're right. tying your soul to a person. Yes, you're engaging in a sexual activity. Yeah, because you're aroused in a sexual way. Yeah, and so that should be saved for yeah. the covenant of marriage. I right. believe that one hundred percent. I heard it said by my youth my youth pastor many years ago, giving good lessons on this. He talked about those soul ties, and it's an equivalent of taking two pipes and welding them together. Mm -hmm. And he says, if you were to break those two pipes, there's no such thing as a clean break. Yes. You're going to get one piece of the pipe stuck to the other piece yes. of the pipe, and so on and so forth. And if you, uh, if your relationship remains ethical, and it's just, uh, you know, to a certain degree emotional, and you break up, there's some pain that's left behind— but there's not a part of your soul that's left. There's not damage. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when you engage that person physically, and the Lord can heal all things, but, and that's in the same context, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. He says if there, a man lies with a harlot, like he knows this woman only for a matter of moments, yeah. for the rest of his life, he's one with her. Wow. Yes. And yes. he's only known her Respect for moments. That. And yes. so, though there was a breaking, pieces of his soul yeah. Are there? Right. Yes. There's something about physical 
actions that cause physical oneness uh, that I believe is sacred to God. And that, I think, reinforces this uh, idea that making out and kissing two mouths coming together, let's just be explicit about it and be very clear, I, do not, I agree with you. I do not believe that that is ordained by God and that's the will of God. I don't care who did it. I, I really don't. You know, so every once in a while, somebody bold, a bold young adult will tell me, well, I heard that Pastor so-and-so did it. Oh, I heard that, you know, this person killed a, uh, kissed a bunch of girls, you know, when they were— I couldn't care less. Don't tell me their name, please. Don't let me know who they are because my opinion's not going to change. Yeah. I don't care what romantic young adult culture has said about this topic yeah. and what has been normalized within our culture. Yeah, don't use their testimony uh, to create a standard. Yeah, right. no, that's yeah. not, that's not, I disagree. Yeah. Your body should not be coming one with anybody else's body in any way until you have crossed the covenant line of marriage. Yeah. I, I, I believe that deeply. Well, how do I know that I'm going to be physically attracted to them, to me? Are you kidding me? Trust yeah. me, you're going to know. But, and this Come is on. the thing, like from, from a woman's standpoint, right? A man and his psyche and his emotions and how he works, I can't talk to other than in theory because I'm not a man, I'm a woman. But from a woman's standpoint, that is why we see all these vicious cycles of breaking up, getting together, breaking mm -hmm. up, getting mm -hmm. together. You just cannot release yourself from a person. Right. Why? Because your souls are tied yeah. because you've had these sexual arousal experiences, whether just making out or more. Yeah. And so now you are knit in a way that God only created for you to be knit to your husband. Right. So you yeah. you are knitting to somebody else's husband and you're knitting to yeah. somebody else's wife. And God, God, with the help of God and with the discipline of yourself and desire of yourself and and if you're genuinely wanting to move on, God will help you, you know, yeah. but you will get ripped like the pipe. You will mm -hmm. get shattered Something and you will, will have broken. to rip it apart Yeah, because it wasn't meant to be ripped apart. And it works a little bit like a drug. There's a cycle of, of drug use where a person is using at the original time and then there's that high and then there's the come down where you're like, oh my Lord, Absolutely. what did I just do? And a couple goes beyond the line and they went further than they ever could imagine and they clean their life up we're breaking up we're not doing that again yeah and then there's a period where it's down but then there's the withdrawals the fiend you know and yeah. then and then two weeks later it's like well and then they get back together yeah and then they're able to kind of keep the boundaries in place for so long and then they fall again and that's in sometimes obviously don't judge your friends that yeah you know, yeah get of on course, and off of and course. Saying that yeah. they're all in sexual sin yeah but it is one cause yeah mm -hmm. of that cycle yeah. definitely um, because people aren't ready to commit um, and they're not yep. able to break away from that person. Yeah. And that's why Paul says, marry lest you burn with passion. Yes. He didn't say pray that passion away. Mm. He didn't say fast that passion he away. Well knew. He yep. said once it's, it's there, powerful. it's there. Yes. Get there. married. Yeah. You know? yes. It's going to go downhill yeah. very quick. You can't rebuke yeah. it, man. Yeah. And, and this is why I think that other term of moral body language important. is very important. Because moral body language is the flirting with this uh back and forth uh sensual emotional uh play um and that moral body language manifests itself in more than just physical actions but also in the way that you lean towards them in the way that you uh, it's it's the shaking of the hand that lingers too long you know it's a, if you you don't mind baby put your hand right here it's the it's the holding the pinky 
This right here, just one action can become this immoral body language mm -hmm. where I may be stroking your pinky and, and it seems harmless, but I know what's going on in my heart and mm -hmm. she knows what's going mm -hmm. on in her heart. When this is happening, there is an emotional bond that's developing and romance is developing in yeah. that. And you have to track yourself less because yeah. it, subconsciously you can play that game. And it's, and it's very sad because a lot of people come from lifestyles where they weren't they didn't weren't raised apostolic. They were never raised in this thing. And sometimes they don't even know that they're doing it, having the lingering eyes, the eyes that stay a little too long. And they're just in almost a a hypnotic stupor of going back and forth with this sensual movement. Um and and by sensual, I don't mean to overly sexualize the situation, but I mean it like like emotionally romantic, you're in that yeah. that that hypnosis of romance, you know, and 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 my foot travels to your side, and now it's next to each other under the table, and that kind of stuff. You don't just let it happen, don't don't just allow it to happen. You know, there are so, because if you're not tracking it the same way that you should be tracking emotional boundaries and setting it and saying, four months, we're not doing this. Your physical body language should also reflect that same timeline. If you're engaged, holding her hand, it's, it's more permissible, okay? Mm -hmm. Engaging in these things, it's understandable, right? But also, you know your motives. Right. Get real with yourself. Yes. Young men and young women. Yeah. Get real with yourself. You know why you're touching them that way. And even, like, I can just see, like, someone who's maybe not a part of our movement, like, watching this and being like, that's extreme, the pinky... But if you are playing with that pinky because you really want to play with something else and you're conveying that through the way that you're playing with that pinky, you right. know what you're doing. Yeah. We're not being extremists here. It's no. like, let's just get Human real. Nature. And and if you have that motive, stop. Right. And if you have that desire, stop and don't do it. Yeah. You know, for my life and for my past, when we dated, mm -hmm. I made it very clear to you. We're not touching the canners for nothing. We're the, I think the most, and it was very sparse we ever did, in dating, getting to know each other, and engagement was holding hands. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Because I don't want you to touch my arm. Yeah. I don't want you to touch my back. Like, this There's is no my, my line was way up there because yeah. of what I came through yeah. and what I had struggled with in my past. Right. And you honored that. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew I myself. I never pushed the boundaries. Yeah. I didn't have to push the boundaries. Yeah, and I knew myself, and I knew I wasn't going to do that to you because once that, like you said, once it's there... It's there. And for my life, once it, it became present in any time in my life, it's going downhill. Yeah. And and we're not doing that. Yeah. You gotta know yourself and hold to that. Yeah. You know? There's there is there is some people where you can just you can just feel on their body language that they struggle with this. Absolutely. And and um and it and, and it's like for some reason it's they just love the attention of mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. they love the eyes of others they yeah. love to linger with their eyes they love to talk and linger yeah. there even is something friends. that needs to yeah. be healed even amongst friends yeah it's not healthy for a for a young lady to joke around with her guy friend it's inappropriate yeah. and be like oh my yeah, you know, no. don't do that. No, don't do don't that. Don't do that. And, it's and not you know moral what? body language. In the world that we live in today, it's even it, it's also extending. Let's just be very clear. 
to male male relationships. Yeah. You should not even yeah. be doing that to other males. Do you realize how prevalent right now that spirit of homosexuality is wanting to bombard the church yeah. and our young adults <laughs> and our youth? Yeah. yeah. I you think it's I mean? even safe to say it's between young women like that hold yeah. each other by the waist and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Just don't don't do that. Yeah. Like, why are you holding? That's, this is getting more and more controversial because a lot just, of people think, well, that's my buddy. Well, that's my girlfriend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but there's moral body language across the yes, board. Yeah. Yes. And I think what's important to know, even if someone is coming from a worldly perspective, you know, there's a certain agenda that wants to be pushed. And yes. that's, you know, sexual liberty and, and, and doing whatever you want to do. But there's an obvious um, epidemic, even among worldly people called, you know, through the Me Too movement. Yeah. That how many girls out of how many have been sexually molested? Yeah. There are implications of this free-for-all culture Yeah, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's the touching and it's okay to touch and to kiss and, uh, you know, to wear whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, you know, this, this sexual promiscuity has a dark side to it. It's not just about fulfillment. Mm. But, you know, you know, one out of three girls have been molested. And, and, it's, and not saying it's their fault. I'm saying that there are ramifications when you keep pushing the lines and right. pushing yes. the lines Absolutely. and pushing the lines. So, you know, here at um, you know, Christian Life Center, I mean, we try to draw those lines not just for relationship people, but also just for people, for just for ladies in general. Yeah. You know, if Brother Brago and I are going to meet with a young lady, the door's going to be wide open, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not going to touch. We don't hug girls, like, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all, unless mm-hmm. it's an old grandma, you know, yeah. or... Or you know a, a family member, so right. to speak, and um, it, it it's regularly just just the shaking of the hands. Yeah, and, and so why is that? Well, because touches have implications. Yes. Period. Yeah, period. But it, even if it doesn't build emotions in me, it could in the other person. Yes. So, and even if it's not going to, we're confident it's safer to draw the line so much further back. Right. Definitely. And in relationships, if you want to stay morally pure, that's your desire. Well, touches have implications yes. to them. Yeah. And we don't have pre-romantic biblical relationships to point to. Mm-hmm. Right. When somebody likes somebody, they married them on the spot. They, you did. Know? Yeah. they did. And so we don't really have any advice for you yeah. biblically no. except Paul. what Paul was talking about. Right. Like, I'm recommending that you and your culture refrain from marriage, be like me. He said, but if you're burning with passion and you can't resist, yeah. marry him. Because you're not going to drag this thing out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to fall into the condemnation of the yeah. devil. And even within marriage relationships, you know, it says don't deprive each other. Yes. Unless you fall into the temptation of the devil. Wow. Yeah. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. Yes. Even people who are married and are actively getting um, that, that yeah. you know, that gratification that they need. Yeah. Just a short period of time, right? Once you've entered into that season, yeah. where love has been awakened, right. is enough for you to fall. Yeah, yeah. and and you know these these moral bo- this moral body language is a principle that you carry into your marriage for reasons like that, right? Let's say that you go through a season where things get cold in your marriage, and you are not doing the divinely ordained, uh, uh. uh action of intimacy of physical intimacy in your bedroom and you're not participating in that divinely ordained action and then there is a young lady at your at your work there's a young or there's a man at your work there's a lady at your work and that that immoral body language begins to occur 
the lingering touch, the conversations that are going beyond emotional boundaries, sharing too much of information about your past, about your home life, about your children. And now you're getting emotionally tied to someone in your job, emotionally mm -hmm. tied to someone that you should not be right. getting tied to. Right. These, princip these, these principles absolutely apply to the married life as well. Well, and the scary thing is, is the Bible says that's the natural course of action if you don't keep yourself guarded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That doesn't make you an excessively immoral person. Yeah. It makes you a human right. who's awake in love. Right. And if you don't keep it under proper boundaries, you won't be able to control yeah. it. Yeah. Scripture says that. Mm -hmm. And it's very important. And so let me speak a little bit to that engaged couple who this is something I've heard for decades at this point. I can't believe I could say multiple decades <laughs> I've been yeah. hearing this, but I've been hearing this forever. I'd have friends who were in love with a, somebody and they were 17, 18 years old and they would say things that were both virgins and they would say things like, well, we're going to get married for sure. And they would use this phrase, we're married by commitment. Mm. And they would cross those lines with that person. Wow. And then unfortunately they didn't get married. And now that they've already crossed that line, then they just go sleep with a bunch of people. Yeah. And, um, but then even with the couples that did get married, because they would say, well, we're going to get married anyways. We're already engaged. What's the use? Let's just, you know, we're going to be doing this in three months anyways. Well, I tell them, and I've, I've done counseling with couples. There is a tremendous distrust yeah. that is birthed when you do that. Yes. Why? Because you know firsthand that that person's a rule breaker. Yeah. Yep. Willing to break it. You've seen them as a rule breaker. Yep. So when you're married... You know they're a rule yep. breaker. It casts it just, that looming. It just happened to be with you last time. Yes. Yeah. But it's that looming. Yeah. Well, what if Doubt. they break the rules again because there's new rules? Yeah. Right. And it doesn't mean they will. Yeah. Right. Doesn't mean they will. But that distrust is yeah. birthed. Yeah. And I've, and I've had couples that I counsel with as engaged couples. And I told them this. And, and you know, outside of my knowledge, they went ahead and they came to me afterwards and said, Brother Ellis, it's true. We have, there's just, we, there's this trust that we cannot build with one another. Yeah. We're always skeptical of each My other. Yeah. We're always, if he's away for 20 minutes too long, I'm thinking, what's he doing? He's a rule breaker. I know he is. Yeah. I've been with him. Right. You know, and so it don't allow your mind to take you to a place. Yeah. God honors a covenant. Yeah. God doesn't honor verbal commitment. Right. God honors covenant. Yes. And that's it. Marriage, the marriage bed isn't sanctified by your commitment. It's sanctified by your covenant. Yes. And so, you know, people, oh, it's just a piece of paper. It's not just, it's a, not piece of just paper. a piece of paper. It's before God. Yes. Yep. It's his establishment that he Absolutely. created. Absolutely. That you're taking part of it. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. institution. It's the oldest yeah. institution. And and I want to offer offer this explanation here to on top of it because I, I, I think it's really important not to paint this as us telling people simply do not sin. Right. right. Don't sin lest you fall. You know, you might fall because your flesh. Um, I, I add to that. I want to add to that. It is because you need to reverence marriage and the power and the beauty of marriage so much that you don't participate in it. It's because you reverence love. You reverence the power and the weight that love has over the heart, the mind, and the body that you 
maintain your boundaries. You know and you reverence that. You fear it. Not like you're afraid, but you fear with a great deep reverence and saying, I know what this passion can do to me. Therefore, I will not open that door before it's time. Yeah. And I will place things in their appropriate boundaries. And I think you know? if people would pause and rewind kind of what you said and just write it down and pray that yes. when they're struggling, pray that, yes. speak that to themselves yeah. when they're engaged or when they're dating and they're crossing, they're feeling themselves cross boundaries. It's so important to verbalize yes. something like that, yes. and which I counsel people in to do yeah. it's like it's not enough to just cut yourself off from things yes that's not how god intends us to live to just like i said build wall build wall build wall and cage yourself in and call everything bad and sinful yeah it's not sinful and it's yeah. not bad yeah. it turns that way when it's out of god's order yes. when it becomes inordinate infection when it becomes in out of order of how god created it to be then it becomes chaos yeah. but he created it for a great and beautiful experience for us to have to understand him better and to see his representation on earth and to engage in this marriage mm -hmm. institution and to have all the blessings and benefits from it. And, you know, sex is something that brings forth children. We, we get to create souls and people like because we have an aspect of God as our creator that he's given us to do. So it's so much bigger. Yes. It's so much bigger. And when you think of it that way and you speak about it to yourself mm -hmm. that way, it's really hard to go and do pornography or yeah. do adultery or, or engage in immoral bodily language. Like when you, when you speak about it with the reverence, when you keep the reverence and you write yourself a script and you, you struggle with these sexual sins or things and you speak about it in that way, the desire to be simple really goes away. Yeah. When you empower yourself with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how he is, how you're supposed to establish these things in your life. Yes. You know? Right. So it's so important not just to abstain and try to control and cut yourself Help me not off to sin, and, God. and look Help away. Me, you know, and it's yeah. like, no, you don't have no, to live no, that no. way. Yeah. You're empowered with the yes. truth, with the word of God. Right. And yeah. Josh said at the beginning, it's about seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's about seasons. It's about knowing what is appropriate in what season yeah. yes you don't give um you know you don't give a child you know access to a hunting rifle mm -hmm. right? exactly and yeah you don't give teenagers you don't want to give a teenager access to sexual experiences mm -hmm. it's just out of season it's very appropriate for someone in the marriage season yeah it's not appropriate for somebody right who is not ready for that emotional commitment yeah because it's going to do more harm mm. than good it's not about invisible lines of sin that really don't have any repercussions. It's just God wants you to be unhappy. It's about that these things have repercussions and will lead to great deals of misery mm -hmm. if you don't learn to put them in the proper balance. Yeah. Absolutely. Because God's way is always said. the best way. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So next one, which is really good. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it, is why is it that the feeling of love can be confused with spiritual confirmation? Mm, yeah, uh, I, I say this often. Uh, love can imitate the voice of God because of how potent it is experienced. Um, it really can. You know, love is is one of the few things that has been equated with the very essence of God. If you do not love, no love. You do, you don't have love. You don't know God because God is love that is what he is it's the essence of who he is um and that just tells us 
how powerful love is. Yeah. It is a, 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 a an experience that touches the very essence of your being. It's something both that both you can do, a verb, and something that you are, a noun. I can love and I am in love, right? Uh, you can act it and you can be it. And so it really envelops all of our heart and our mind and our soul, right? And so, um, so uh, let me let me try to put my mind together here uh, about my uh, about my response to this. Well, I think it's very important to understand that, as you mentioned so eloquently, that love is a God-like emotion. Mm-hmm. And when and I think we addressed some of this in the last podcast. So again, I don't want to, to rehash it, but we talked about pe- so many people saying God spoke to me and said, this person is, I'm going to marry this person. Mm. And of all the people that have ever told me that in my life, <laughs> it's not like one or two, it's zero. Yeah. It's zero percent. And I, you know, it's crazy. Probably at least, I think 50 times would be a safe number yeah. of people that have come to me and said, God said, I'm going to marry that person. And of those 50 people, zero None of them. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's set in stone. I had a vision. I mean, boom, we're done. We're ready to go. I'm picking out flowers for, yeah. the, ve- for the wedding. Yeah. It's never happened. Yeah. And, and so why does that happen? Is it that young people don't know the voice of God? Well, my best answer for this, and forgive me if I repeat something I said on the last podcast, I'm not exactly sure what I said, is that when one is growing up, a young person, emotions become, they start very simple and they get a little more complex. You start to realize that. You're either happy or you're sad. And then you realize it. Sometimes you can be happy, sad, and, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of the inside out revelation, yeah. you yeah. know, and sometimes emotions can be complex. And when you're growing up, strong emotions are either positive or negative mm-hmm. or in the sense they are either from God or they're from sin. Either if I have a strong, strong desire, it's from God. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's something I should mm-hmm. pursue. Or if I have a strong desire and it's sin, it's something I should abstain from. Well, then love comes into play and it's kind of in the middle, you know, and yeah. you start to love somebody. And it's not necessarily a sin. So you go to that default. Oh, this must be from God. Yeah. Because this is such a feels, strong yeah. emotion. Feels so right. It yeah. feels so right. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a, it, it's a God-like emotion. Yeah. And so it it has the same fragrance as God. Yeah. So sometimes we mistake it for God. Right. And that can get young people into a lot of trouble. And there's an old saying. It's a good one. It says, when your mind is already made up. Everything seems like a confirmation. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, you can find confirmations. Oh, everywhere. yes. I mean, it, and my husband always says this, the heart wins. Yeah. The heart wins over the mind and logic. The heart wins. Yeah. Like, I, a, a mentor could be standing there with, like, big red, like, yeah. stop Don't in the it. most polite Don't way I there. can say, and there will be a justification on the other end of the table. You got to say it polite, you know? Yeah, you can just be bold. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's yeah, a justification or there's a peace They're not good or there's you. a reasoning right. why just a little more time, you know, it's yeah. the, the heart wins. And I think a good way to defeat that, because you think like, man, how do you get the heart not to win? And when I was thinking about this question, I thought of the revelation that God gave me when I, I was reading Psalms 1. That's why I have it open to Psalms 1. And it was in the morning. I was already married. And I was reading this Psalms and I realized that my husband is these things. Like it talks about the righteous, you know, and the ungodly. And 
blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And I was like, okay. And I, the Lord brought to my to my mind like that I have a very godly husband and a very righteous husband. And I think it's very easy to overcome your own heart if you measure up what you're in and you think you have the spiritual confirmation or peace. It's very easy to debunk that or like pop that balloon by opening the word of God and measuring yourself or your significant other up to the word of God. Right. And if it's not if it's not lining up, then no matter how you feel, yeah. it's not right. And that's why it's so important to have a reference point that goes beyond your emotion. Right. And the phrase love is blind is actually neurobiologically accurate. Yeah. And I've been doing a deep study on on addiction and I've been d- doing a series in Lifeline on addiction. I We started it last night. And there's actually discoveries that say when the part of the brain that processes dopamine, which is the pleasure chemical, the rewards receptor, becomes overinflated and you're receiving excessive amounts of dopamine, the part of your brain that receives pleasure and the part of your brain that processes truth are disconnected. Wow. That's why addicts cannot physically recognize themselves becoming addicted. Mm. You've never met an addict that while he's becoming addicted admits it. Yeah. He says things right. like, I can control it. Right. I can stop anytime yeah. I want. The only time he can realize he's an addict is when he starts to see the ramifications of his addiction. Yeah. Wow. He starts to see his family cutting him off and he yes. starts to realize he's got no money in the bank account. And he it starts to realize he's losing yeah. 80 pounds and wow. he realizes he's on the ground looking for crack rocks, you know? Yeah. And he can't f- catch himself becoming addicted. That's he can only see the results of the addiction. Yeah. Well, love is not an addiction, but it is an ex- it can be, but it's an excessive release of dopamine. Absolutely. That person's constantly making you feel good. Yes. Affirming yeah. you and telling you how much they love you My and how God. handsome, yeah. how pretty you are. And that dopamine receptor is overinflated. And it actually, so it's neurobiologically accurate to say love is blind. Yeah. yeah. Because that part process, you know, it, it disconnects yeah. the part of truth. And that's why when you pull away from that person and you end up breaking up with them, things, revelations start to dawn on you and yes. you start to say things like, Oh my gosh. I can't believe I. I can't believe I ever liked them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because now that overinflated dopamine and oh this is the Lord, crash has come down us, and Lord. you've been, yes. you know, it's been removed. Re, it's yes. been reconnected. Yeah. It's been reconnected. You're and, thinking clearly. And, and ultimately this is, you know, most fitting in, in, in assessing addiction, but it definitely applies to relationships in a small degree as well. Yeah. Definitely. You cannot see the negative side of that person. Yeah. Right. You can only process the parts that make you feel good because your brain is hardwired to accept the good and reject the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have to train it otherwise. Yeah. And so this feels good. I don't want this to stop feeling good. So I am going to inadvertently subconsciously throw the bad in the, in the dumpster. Wow. And then all your friends are like, this guy's a loser. And you're like, no, he's not. He's got a good heart. <laughs> potential. He has yeah. so much potential. So, love, but yeah, so love is blind. And so, I want to tie it back to Sister Vanessa because she just hits the nail on the head. Where if you don't have a reference point that goes beyond your emotion, yeah, and that's right. why mentors and pastors are so wonderful. Yeah. But honestly, even mentors and pastors are fallible, absolutely, because some men and some women are great at putting on a front, mm-hmm. and we're not. We don't have a crystal ball. God could speak to us. We could pray about it. But a lot of times we just, we, we give counsel via wisdom Mm -hmm. just on what we're seeing. And that person could be putting on a front. But if you've got a biblical reference point, 
and you can point back to what biblical righteousness is, mm. you'll be able to say, is he this or is she right. this or are they not? And right. Absolutely. Give people room to grow, of course, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. But love is blind is a very real thing. Yeah. yeah. L- let me give some, some practical advice for our apostolic listeners here. Okay. The, I think this is why it's very important that throughout your, uh, um, participation in romantic relationships that you take a day you take multiple days in on a consistent base uh, a basis to catch your breath what does that mean practically it can mean once a week or maybe every every two weeks maybe every month you take two or three days where there is zero contact with that person and you're locking in with god you are fasting, and so you are disconnecting from your romantic relationship mm-hmm. to clear your head and get a hold of your reference point because uh, you need to stay well-grounded in the Word of God. Uh, the only thing—because when you start falling in love, the only thing that can cancel that love is a greater love, and you got to go back to your first love. Yes. you got to go back to God, and you say, God, I'm in love with you above anybody else and everyone else and everything else is subservient to you Mm -hmm. i'm reminding myself of it today and if your partner can't handle it like i know you're fasting and i know you're you're separating but i just miss you so much that's a red flag they need to be able to let you go they need to be able to let you have your time to get your mind clear and hear from God. Some people don't want to let you hear from God because mm-hmm. they know that they if know you hear from on God, the other side. you're going to say break up right. and yeah. leave. Right. You know, they yeah. can feel in themselves this hasn't been right, but I just can't let them go, right? Yeah. And they themselves want to trip you. No, you got to get alone with God. Get mm-hmm. your reference point that's beyond the the romance so that you can clear your heart and clear your mind. And sometimes in those moments, it's good to check your bases with people who are outside of the situation who are wise and aren't involved, who can give you uh, wisdom, right? When you cannot see straight because your emotions are taking you a a different direction, get alone with God, meet with people who love you and care about you, friends that care about you, and get their voice what do they have to say? And they're saying, you know what? We've been noticing it actually seems unhealthy what, what's going on. Wake up. Wake up and, uh, and reflect and really check the cards on the table and say, is this truly what God wants for me? But don't trust yourself yeah. because love is so powerful that it imitates the voice of God yeah. and things. Right. So. Yeah, Very that's powerful. what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a plethora of examples of what love is mm-hmm. and what love is not. Yeah. You know, and what a righteous man and woman should be and what they should not partake in. Mm-hmm. You know, what what of what the fruits of the spirit are and right. what the you know, the works of the flesh are. Mm-hmm. There are so much. And if, if you are not resting on that above yourself, right. like above your own, then Honestly, what's happening is you're choosing yourself. You're choosing yourself. You're choosing you're selfish your living. God. You're choosing what you want to do over what you should do and what what God would be pleased. Everyone wants to say, I just want to do the will of God. I just want to do the will of God. This is a part of life where you have to do the will of God. Yeah. And if you're not getting in your word to say and and be truthful to yourself, yeah. you know, and say, I'm making the wrong decision, then you're not doing the will of God. Mm. To do the will of God is to follow his word mm-hmm. and to love him above all things. 
seek his kingdom. Yeah. You know, do yeah. his work. And if you're not willing to do that because this feels so good, mm-hmm. then I'm sorry you're not doing the will of God. Yeah. But it's okay because you can do the will of God. Yes. By choosing him yeah. and not you. Yeah. You right. know? Wow. You can overcome it. It's not this hopeless pit of just cycles. You just have to have the the courage to get up and say, no more. Mm. And bear the shame of the three-year cycle you've been in and walk away. Right. And choose every day to just walk away from it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Jesus so, right. yeah. I think the other ones are a little less involved. These ones are very involved, <laughs> you know? So I think we might be able to get to the end. What's the next one here? Okay. The next one is, uh, what is the line between respecting a woman's decision trying again and moving on. So like Ah. if if a young man is pursuing someone and the young woman is not interested or she's politely declined, what do you do then if you want to keep going? Is it appropriate to keep going? Yeah. Uh, To be honest, uh, from an individual who pursued someone who didn't (laughs) want anything to do with him, okay. uh, Testified. Testified. Yeah. Look, uh, sometimes there's a thin line between pursuing an obsession, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd be like, wow, very, these guys are very thin. Yeah. Very, very Razor thin, thin oh, sometimes. <laughs> you know, that's the crazy world of dating. Look, that's the crazy world of young adult relationships. Um, look, I think a young man should pursue, but always pursue respectfully. Uh, you can respect her decision. She said, no, I'm not interested. And if you're really interested in this girl, give her some space. Give her about two to three weeks and then come back. Say, you know, I've been really thinking about you still, you know. Yeah. I, I wish you'd just and give me a chance. And I could say that the way you pursued me was never creeper status. Right. Ever. Right. Ever. I wasn't stalking nobody. And when I, mean? I said I wasn't interested, <laughs> yeah. then you said, okay, th- I respect that. Mm-hmm. I respect that. And, and if you would allow, just let me be around. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm never going to push you. Just let me be around. Yeah. And and if we're around each other, then just go with it. You know, don't, yeah. you don't got to like me or give me a shot, but just go with it, you know? And I remember there were times where, um, you know, I was sick. I remember this so vividly. I was sick and my husband, who was not even on the radar at the point in time, got my roommate to bring up a bag of like medicine and water, alkaline water and all this very sweet stuff and a card with a turtle a turtle that had a bandage around it. It was really cool. And he just signed it, Josh. He didn't put anything like, that's what I'm saying. It was the boundary. Like yeah. he did something kind. I didn't write a letter. But he know, didn't like, write a love letter. It was mm. just like, Oh, he wrote a love letter. He just didn't give didn't it. Didn't put know. it in that oh, one. Yeah. Huh? See, it was like the calm duck on the top and the bottom. My feet were like, man. Yeah, but you had that self-control to not be right. a creeper. Exactly. You know? And right. even exactly. though that action alone, it upset me because I was like, why are you so good? But I can't be mad at you for being so good. You're just good, but I don't want anything to do with it, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it caused all this turmoil in myself, but yeah. I could not, imp- I could, I could not blame you for being weird yeah. or creepy because yeah. you weren't doing that. You were yeah. just being a good guy. Yeah. You know, so there's a way to do it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'd say try multiple times and, yeah. you know, and if a year later, and you never pressured you me though, can't stop thinking about this, yeah. this person, then try again, you know, yeah. uh, on the other hand, uh, how should a young lady respond to a young man? who is has tried multiple times that's your your deal right here that's tough Give us your thoughts i don't know i mean if he's not being weird or creepy mm-hmm. then just be chill mm-hmm. just be chill if he's around don't be awkward and avoid just be a kind human being and christian mm-hmm. you know that's good if he's getting stalker status then go talk to pastor morgan so he could go talk and, to and him and i have yeah it happens a you lot, know if you know? it's mm-hmm. being if it's unhealthy and you feel uncomfortable 
And you have a right and to say you it have makes an you absolute feel right, you know. Nothing but if he's not, that. don't make him out to be that way. Right. You know, right. don't tarnish his name and go say, "Oh, he's so weird." Yeah. If he's not being weird and he's being respectful, you just don't know what to do with yourself because someone's interested in you and that's scary. And that's diabolical. You know, when a, when a girl, he's creepy. Yeah, for know, nothing. Kind just, of, it just, just throws polite, him, yeah, you know? under the bus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, right? So you know, if 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 a if a young man has has tried to pursue you as a young lady. I think it is evil. It is wrong for you to turn around and take what nowadays it takes so much courage to do mm -hmm, for a young man. Mm -hmm. Go to your dorm room, go to your home, call your girlfriends and tell them you will not believe who and asked just criticize me. It. Ew, yeah. gross. Yeah. I'd never be interested in him. That is so wrong. Respect the man mm -hmm. yeah. because if if it's a good man, he's a Christian man, he's an apostolic man. That's a man of God. Yeah. Whether you guys are just young adults, that's yeah. it. You're just not married, and it's a weird time period. That's still a man of God. Yeah. yeah. And you are still a woman of God. Yeah. Treat each other with reverence and respect. Definitely. And if you want to share it with with your friends, then say, you know, yeah, he asked me out. You know, I'm not really interested. You know, but uh, but yeah. yeah, he asked me out. Treat it normal. There's nothing wrong with you sharing it with your friends. And, you know, the Bible, the Bible, you know, talks about covering each other's sins and stuff like that. Yes. And I know this is kind of a different context, but it's a, along the same thread. You know, when I was in, in school, someone was interested in me and we mm. were just kind of texting back and forth. Very short lived, about a week, because in one of those texts, it was about 10, 10 o'clock and they text me something inappropriate. Um, and at that mark, I said, hey, I don't think this is going to work. You know, I don't want you to feel bad, but this is just some a line that I don't cross. And, you know, don't worry about it. Like, I'm yeah. not going to treat you any differently, right. you know, and I forgive you for it. But I would just prefer not to text anymore. Yeah. Never treated that guy weird. Yeah. Never treated him different. No he ended up to. dating one of my roommates years later and we could laugh. We could chill. And I never told a soul. I didn't tell my roommates. I didn't tell my friends. I never told a soul that he had done that. Yeah. Because it's not, it's it's not right to yes. uncover someone's sin right. and just blast them, yeah. and and yeah. I say that like that's an extreme version, but that goes for this realm too. If someone is being vulnerable to yes. you, you don't take that vulnerability and go and mock it or make fun of it or no. or yeah. put yeah. it down, you know. And the right. and the irony of the question is that I don't think we struggle with men taking over initiative; they under initiate mm -hmm. now, and so. If we do crucify the ones who do, do take initiative, yes, just going to keep making the problem worse. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some some young ladies uh, use young men's interest as like uh, trophies, trophy badges, and they, you know, and they they say, "Oh, look at this new trophy here." Oh, everybody likes me. I just can't get guys to stop liking me. You know, I can't get guys to stop talking to me. Okay, the stop humble brag. talking about it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just well, and, it's, and it's Proverbs, disrespectful. up and down Proverbs talks about women and their discretion. Yes. You know, and having a meek spirit. Right. Having a silent spirit. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. It's not talking about literally be quiet and, yeah. and take nothing. a back seat. Right. No, it's about being honorable. Yes. Being honorable to a man and his authority and right. respecting it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that one's good. Cool. Um, Next one. Do you have a right to claim rights over guys or girls you're interested in with your friends? Yeah. Mm, drama. <laughs> uh, drama. Look, 
uh, I, let's just be straightforward. I think this one might be shorter. You know, I, I you don't have a right to take dibs oh, over yeah. anybody. You do not have a right. Uh, just because you like a certain young lady does not mean that your friend should not or does not have the right to like the same individual. Women are not property. They're not property. It, they don't belong to you. Men are not property either. You know, if 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 some girl who knows that you like a certain guy gets asked to the banquet by this guy and she said yes, that doesn't make her a bad person. It doesn't make him a bad person. It just means that it didn't happen, right? Who knows? Maybe that might not even work out and he might be, you know, come your way. It doesn't matter. Look, it, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And don't be offended, okay, if that should occur. Don't right, be offended. Right. Well, know? I mean, there. In my opinion is is the same as yours. You do not have the right to claim them. However, your friend has the right to be mad at you for taking the person they like. You know, not mm. mad, but like feeling negative feeling. emotions, feeling, feeling negative, bad about feeling it. negative emotion. Right, and so if you pursue that person. You do have to understand you are going to impact the relationship with your friend. Yeah. But it doesn't make it absolutely wrong or a sin. Yeah. yeah. It's not a actual wrongdoing, but there will be collateral damage. Yeah. yeah. All's fair in love and war. Yeah. Because there's going to be collateral damage. And I damage. think there's right ways to, to go about that. If you mm -hmm. know a friend has feelings and you develop feelings, I think an honorable thing is to discuss that, to talk about it. Yeah. Because obviously that friend, if you're in forward motion and it's not like this competition thing and you're gonna go and your friend has been sitting here for half the year feeling this way yeah then there must be a fundamental issue where he doesn't feel the courage to be able to go and pursue a young woman yep and so you're just gonna sit back because they have a fundamental issue no but you feel no. inclined to this young woman like no. no i feel it's more immoral for that young man to not pursue that yeah, young lady definitely uh, okay in weighing the scales Okay, is it more, let's say that you have a friend, he's been pursuing this girl, she's not giving him the time the time of day, he's interested in her, she's not interested back. But somehow a spark happens between you and her. Uh, I think it's more immoral for you not to explore with that young girl than to say, well, my friend liked her and I don't want to risk our friendship. Okay, are you going to marry your friend? No, you're going to marry one woman and spend the rest of your life with her. Mm -hmm. It is not right. It, yeah. uh, it, uh, and I think young men need to mature a little bit more and grant liberty to each other a little bit more. Not so, be so offended, even if you feel bad. Okay, yeah. If you feel bad, that's fine. If you feel insecure, you feel like, oh, this hurts me. Is anyone ever going to love me? Is anyone going to care for me? Those are real emotions, and I'm not downplaying those. Those are powerful, but those are me not meant for you to take them out on your friends. Those are meant for you to take it to the prayer room and get a hold of God and let God give you that sense of value to say, look, these girls may not be giving you the time of day, but I have someone for you, and you are worth something. Yeah. Yeah. You are valuable. So That's let me let me doing. ask you both this. Um, so we're talking about this from a young man's perspective of you know my guy friend has a you know you know your friend that's a guy likes this girl and you like this girl. Okay, let's flip that to the girl version. Mm -hmm. 
because girls are way more chatty about their relationships with one another and they're way more invested in each other's lives than guys are. Yeah. yeah. Guys don't talk about like every single detail and everything that, that right. the girl did for him and oh, get giddy they about it. Remember. They don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, they don't discuss those things. Great. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. they talk about something else, you <laughs> know, or great. whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so girls are way more emotionally invested in each other's lives and in each other's stories and in each other's relationships. Yeah. So what about this situation from a girl? Mm-hmm. like perspective like you know a guy is approaching a girl but he used to date her friend who she's very close to and who she knows all this stuff about like so what about then again uh you're not going to be marrying your friends for, and spending the rest of your life with your friends you're going to be marrying a individual so you think it's the same it's well, the same and it's... regardless of what you know we say girls will hold those wounds oh mm-hmm. for sure and so it is collateral damage if you end up marrying the person boom you won if you and you're probably gonna i think from a girl's perspective you're probably gonna lose that friend that, and that's what i'm saying yeah. is or at least until she finds a man and realizes that was dumb if it know? doesn't work out then uh then you lose the person and the friend mm-hmm. you know and i i was talking to someone recently who has held a wound from a friend stealing a boyfriend for 10 years. You know, she right. still thinks about it. Wow. You know? and, Is she and that, married at this point in time? No. Yeah, but the person didn't even why. end up with the person. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and so. Yeah. Um, Usually when, when that happens, and, and them two, yeah, their offense happened. They marry that individual, and this other person goes and gets married as well. They can look back and are not saying, I can't believe you took... My potential husband, girl, you're married. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're married now. <laughs> Usually it, when yeah. in healthy marriages, they look back and they say, oh, my goodness, can you believe that we are fighting? No, that's not even. Well, thank God that I didn't marry that guy. I was jealous about him, but I was, I got married to another man, and we're happy, and just things, uh, life ends up unraveling. If you just yeah. keep your relationship strong with God, God leads you day by day. You look back and you realize that it's okay. It's mm-hmm. all right. Usually it's the people who never get married. They stay bitter. They stay hurt. They have trust issues because of that. And are and, and, and it's not because someone stole their husband or their wife. It's because they stayed bitter and allowed that to chain them down to singleness. Yeah. Uh, it, that's the well, they're, problem. They stay emotionally attached to that person. Yes. You have to let that go and you let have to let go. God heal you that hurt because yes. is it a hurt it, we're not saying oh you're dramatic get no, over it no, no it's a no, genuine it's hurt it's yes. a genuine wound yes but you can't keep that from god yeah. you got to let him touch that mm-hmm. you got to get it give it over to him yeah so that you can be ready for the next mm-hmm. person that comes yeah, yeah. or else you're never going to be and you're going to be like like you said bogged down by just thinking about that for 10 years yeah amen yeah. you know i think we're almost done with these questions let's yes. continue on okay. um is it ethical to date a friend's ex? We already talked about that. No. I mean, that's the same thing, right? Same thing. Yeah, okay. same thing. Is it ethical to pursue someone you're interested in that already that's already dating somebody? Mm. Um, I think it depends how you're how you date. Right. If you yeah. date like the way we're telling you to, then no. Yeah. If you date like you're already married but you're not married yet, then yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's wrong. It just has collateral damage. It collateral just has damage. collateral damage. It, there you go. All, it's the same. Love and war. Yeah. You know? It's the same. Yeah. If I, I, I agree because, uh, you know, and I stand by what I said earlier. God does not legitimate or, or recognize a relationship until it progresses into engagement. 
it is wrong for you. I believe it's wrong for you to pursue an individual that's engaged. Anything before that, technically speaking, nothing wrong with it. I think there are ethical ways to approach it, though. Yes, but you there don't have are to be scandalous yes. or rude or. There are prudent ways yeah. to approach it. There yeah. are prudent ways to approach it. I think that about it. our prior topic that we just finished mm-hmm. right now, too. Like, if you know that your friend is interested, like, I remember that was a situation when you started pursuing me. You know, I had someone in my life. I wouldn't say they were a friend, but they were an acquaintance enough that I cared about them and mm-hmm. how they would receive that. And I went to them and said, hey, I just want you to know. This is how he feels about me. And I know that you had shared some things with me about how you thought you were going to marry him. So um, I just want you to know from me, you know, that he's interested in me. And um, I don't know where that's going to go. And she really respected me for that. And we never lost our friendship. And, you know, it, it was never bad. There wasn't, there wasn't, praise God, repercussions for that, you know. But there's a way to honor people. Yes. And care about their feelings. Yes. And emotions. Yes. There were lots of hearts that were broken when Josh Good. Brader was <laughs> taken off. I felt the wrath. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. next one. How do you know someone is the one? Is there such a thing as the one We've for arrived everyone? to we, the big we've one. We've arrived. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Morgan, you want to start this I feel one the, I feel the weight on my shoulders right <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, the as one, we the one. You. Well, you the know, one conversation. I feel like we have to talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. and, and I'll start with some brief comments, and then we'll kind of discuss it because it can really unravel. Um, you know, Bible says, "He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord." It doesn't say he that findeth the wife. Mm-hmm. It says he that findeth a wife. The Bible gives us very little mm-hmm. ramifications for who we choose to marry. Um, it talks about do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Yes. That's actually talking about friendships. Mm-hmm. It's actually not in that context referring to marriage. We superimpose that to marriage. Right. But when Paul wrote that, he's talking about don't sit with an adulterous person. Mm-hmm. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He's talking about friendships. And so um, truly, you know, we see in Ephesians where it talks about if a wife is already married to an unbeliever. So you know, it is safe to say that you need to have a linked up faith system. But I've heard people, you know, expand that. Unequally yoked means, you know, you have to have same the same ministry. ministry. Yeah. Well, the Bible's talking about unbelievers. Yes. Yeah. Not ministry. It's yes. not talking about ministry. It's not talking about. Now, those are all decisions that you have to make. Take in because, consideration. You know, yeah. water meets its level, mm-hmm. you know? So if someone is spiritually mature to this level and you are here, um, especially if the woman is more superior, you know, spiritually superior to the man, there's a, there's a meeting of levels that takes place and you have to make that decision. Is that enough to say that there's a one philosophy? I don't think God trusts humanity that much with that level of decision. Um, I personally don't. I think if there was a one and then your one screws it up and marries somebody else, that means you're now doomed. To yeah, it's have like a domino it. effect. Yes. Like, and then you marry somebody else who wasn't your and one. And you took someone right. else's and one. And then you took someone else's one. And no one's got <laughs> oh, the man. one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> ah, what if your one died? I don't got a oh, one anymore. No. The consequences. You know, I, yes. I don't think it philosophically makes any sense at mm. all. I think practically, you know, if you look at it um, from a worldview, okay, so generally you're going to marry. You're going to marry someone of the opposite sex is you okay so now uh we take a single man that's 25 years old okay um 
you know, so he's going to marry a woman that cuts it down to about four billion. So he's got four billion opportunities now. <laughs> well, he's going to marry someone who's of legal age and is close to his age range. You know, let's say within ten years at most, it could be more. But let's say practically, uh, it's probably within three or four years. But let's say ten years at most. Uh, well, that cuts it down from four billion, and they cannot already be married. So that probably cuts it down to the millions at this point. You know, and so it's like five hundred million. Well, now you have to be you have to have the same faith system as you. We're down to, yeah. you know, maybe in America fifty thousand. Yeah. You know, and then, but and they have to be in your re. They have to live in your region. Probably not going to marry a girl in China, most likely. That is a doesn't even speak English. You know, so now you're down to a couple thousand, and then 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 your local region, and then it's like you got to be physically attracted to them to some degree. Yeah, and so. When you shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink, there's probably 10, 15, 20 people that live close enough, maybe 10 people that live close enough, that if you're willing to commit, the number one thing about love that you have to understand is love doesn't ask what can they do for me. Love asks what can I do for them. That's always the motif of love. What can I give to the other Mm -hmm. person? And if you are willing to be in a committed relationship with somebody where both sides are willing to give their all yes. to caring for the other I'm person. To you. I genuinely believe if the faith system lines up, God's at the center of the relationship. Yes. If those criteria are met, those, any relationship can yep. work. Yep. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. And we have got to look at the, you know, the other subcultures as far as, you know, like we mentioned before, because now we're talking theologically. We're not talking about cultures. We're talking about the theology of the one. In India, you know, a good friend of mine took an application. I was just there in between our last podcast. Took an application. His dad looked at the application and said, uh, what about this one? And he goes, he looked at her height. It's like an applic- like a job application. No, no, she's much too short. I don't want her. She's too short. And he said, I don't want short children. You know, and, and the dad said, no, trust me, trust me, trust me. You know, he goes, oh, okay. You know, and, and they meet each other one time for 15 minutes. And then they get engaged. And now they're engaged. They spend one eight-hour day together. And then they get married. Wow. You know? And so if we have enough faith to believe that God oversees that process and he gets one and one and gets yeah. them together, and yeah. um, you know, that's a lot. It, it takes yeah. an extraordinary amount yeah. of faith mm-hmm. to believe that. I think we should be more focused on principles of love. Yeah relationships don't work because of one thing, primarily selfishness. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get and I don't want to give. Yeah. Yes. If you go into a relationship and the prerequisites have been met as far as they're not already married, they're, they're a believer, and you have some sort of physical attraction to them, um, which in some cases isn't even a, pre- a prerequisite. But anyways, and you go with a give-first mentality and it's not just one-sided. Both sides have that mentality. I really yeah. believe any relationship can work. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, um, I, I, um, I do believe there is such things as God-ordained ones for each other. Uh, it does happen uh, for the same reason that there are some individuals that God chose before they were born and said, I have chosen you. 
and uh, other individuals uh, were used by God because they chose God, and they said, I want to follow you, and God said, come. Uh, but some people were just ordained. Like, Samson did not have a choice. He was already chosen to be a judge. He didn't have a choice. God ordained his destiny. Um, and uh, But that is not the same story with every single man or woman of God in the Bible. And so there is such a thing as the one uh, many times. I'm, I'm more comfortable. Is it, is it every time? Well, you know, I'm more comfortable with saying that perhaps God has a kind mm-hmm. for you rather than the one. Yeah. He has a kind of person. A type and of person. A type of person. That kind of person is one that harmonizes with your soul, with your spirit, with your calling, right? With your ministry. Harmonizes with your ministry. Now, notice the word that I'm using. I'm saying harmony, meaning that they could be two different notes. And, but yet, the way that they are played within life, it feels right and together. That means this. You don't have to have the same ministry. You don't even have to have the same calling. One can be called to be a missionary. The other can be called to be a pastor or an evangelist, and it could still harmonize. We make a big mistake when applying that scripture. Do not be unequally yoked to ministry because oftentimes young adults have a very simplistic view of ministry. in assuming that because God gave me the call to be a missionary, that I have to be a missionary the moment that I get married. Right. That's, it doesn't work that way. Right. I've seen incredible men and women of God who never become missionaries until they're 40, 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And what if you're discounting a perfectly good apostolic man or woman just because you say, well, she's called or he's called to be a missionary and I'm not not. You know, uh, you discount them for something that you can't even tell how your life is going to unravel. I, I would even say the, the the opposite, right? You you either discount or you pressure yourself into. Yeah, because they do have something that you right. think you're supposed to be united with. Yes. Like for us, as an example, which we do use often for people, you know, my husband is although he do, has done music in his, you know, background and experience, you know, um, in his home church and when you come from a small church you do everything you know but we he would not say oh music and the expression of worship through music is what i'm called to do no he's called to preach the word he's he's a teacher of the word and a preacher of the word i am definitely called to expressing worship and inviting people to worship through music and letting signs wonders and miracles be done through the expression of 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 worship through music you know but i have always felt extremely supported by my husband and even uplifted and empowered to do my ministry and encouraged to do my ministry and all the projects that i've been a part of he has supported me in ways that i could have never imagined and yet we don't do the same things and i've done that for him and his ministries we've never had a collision of ministries or that we don't align Mm -hmm. in ministries although our ministries are so different right but he doesn't play the guitar or write songs or play the piano Mm -hmm. you know i would have done myself a huge disservice if i would have just said super important he doesn't play he doesn't or i would have done my not just like dismissing him because he doesn't play he doesn't write he doesn't whatever complimenting each other yeah but i would have done myself a disservice if i would have said oh he does play he does write he does compose 
So that's what I'm supposed to be with. But it wasn't well, well, true. Some, something to a degree that needs to be understood and both can harmonize. I think in so many cases both harmonize. But I, I, I've been taught, I remember Brother Lashley talked about this, you need to see to your covenants before you see to your callings. Mm-hmm. And marriage is a covenant. And he used the example of Moses. And Moses has already been called as a deliverer of Israel. And he's so caught up in his calling that he doesn't circumcise his children. Mm. And he is off to another mission journey in Zipporah. He said, you're a bloody man. And God was getting ready to kill Moses. Wow. And so she, right then she circumcises and throws the foreskin. It's an extremely bloody scene. And Brother Lashley, tell us, your covenants always take precedent over your calling. That's good. And um, marriage is a covenant. And so be more concerned that if you find a man or a woman who has integrity, mm-hmm. it comes down to love and selflessness. Mm-hmm. They are selfless and they are willing to follow the call of God. Yes. They might not have it figured out. They might not know if they're going to be a missionary. And a lot of times that's just ambition sometimes. Yeah. Yes. We, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with having ambition, but to overlook someone who is kind and faithful because they don't match your ambition is is a very horrible thing yeah. and then to marry somebody who lacks because i've seen this yes. in living color more than once you'll 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 skip over the guy with integrity and he's selfless but he doesn't match up with your ambition you'll be willing to entertain people who do match your ambition but fudge on the more important areas absolutely so see to your covenant now i'm not saying throw your calling out the window no no i'm not saying not. marry somebody you know, and so we're also there's so many ladies just so worried yes. about mm-hmm. you know submitting to his calling and and so yeah. on and so forth. And I do think that's important. I really yeah. do. I don't think these are mutually exclusive. But when you start to get into the weeds of, I'm not going to marry him unless he plays the piano. Well, you are pushing that a little too far. To the degree it needs to be, he needs to be a man of prayer. He needs to be or woman of prayer. Mm-hmm. They need to be selfless and yeah. serve others before themselves. Yeah. Respectful, integrity. Right. If they have all of those things and are willing to follow God and sacrifice, honestly, who cares if they play the piano? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and the substrata of ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. And who cares if they're in children's ministry or right. not? Mm-hmm. And who cares if they're in youth ministry? Who cares yes. if they're because you're not going to be in youth ministry for the rest Forever. of your life. No. Exactly. You might have a passion God for it now. But when you're things. forty, yeah. you'd probably rather be married to a really good guy yeah. than <laughs> that fun guy in the youth ministry. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And so I'm talking about substrata of ministry. Mm-hmm not the important elements of truly what makes a great minister, right. which is humility and self-sacrifice yes. and so on and so yeah. forth. Yes. So don't get caught up in the substrata. So yeah. I, I want to be very careful. I'm not telling yeah. you to throw your ministry away and marry no, 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 no. No, absolutely no, not. Or, or, but you hit, it, you hit the nail on the head when you said that if they're willing to do what God calls them to do, that's and that's what point. I tell that's young ladies. I say, if you find a man who loves God above everything else, yes. if you above really himself. feel that God spoke to you that you're going to go to China, Guess what God is eventually at some point in right. his life going to yeah. tell that young man Absolutely. that you guys are going to China. You're going. That's yes. It. That's it. You know. So, you know, I'm less concerned. Uh, you know, just because often God doesn't reveal things. And that's really not how the will of God unfolds. Never has been. It never yeah. has been the way that God unfolds in general. God is 
God is really good about not telling you about your future. Okay? <laughs> it is so often like uh, I am not here because somehow God told me years ago in prayer, this and this and this is going to occur and that's going to occur. You know, uh, no, I am here because every single day I said, God, I don't know about tomorrow, but today I want to be in your will. I want to please you. I want to know you. I want to make wise decisions that are aligned with your desires for my life today. And every single day, if you just ask God, God, you are the Lord over my life. You are the Lord over my future. You will not end up outside of the will of God. Even mm -hmm. in your dating relationships and your marriage, you will not end outside of the will of God. If you just ask him today, what is your will today? It, does this please you? Does this not please you? You don't have to know whether somebody's going to be the one to date them. Yep. You don't have to know that. Yep. You can just ask God, are you pleased with this? And to what extent should I be a friend with this individual? Yeah. Uh, and and I, you're going to make it. You're I, gonna get I want to stop you there because I feel like a lot of, a lot of young people will do that. They'll mm -hmm. do that and they'll say, are you pleased with this? And they won't feel like they hear the voice of God or direction and they feel like they're stuck in this rut. Mm -hmm. And that's where we go back to the topic we talked about earlier. You have a word where he's spoken so many things. Yeah. He's probably not speaking to you about if he's pleased or not because he you should already know right. he's not. Read right, the word. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. You want you're going not really to know if he's pleased. You're right. trying to convince yourself that he is. Yes. Right, right, right. When he's not. And, yeah. And and ultimately for me the the one theology becomes dangerous and the, the reason I avoid it and I know it's it's so much more romantic once you've already found the person. Right. But the reason I avoid it is because I've seen the damage it can cause because. When you believe someone is the one and they're preformed for you, there's a propensity to take your hands off of the steering wheel and mm -hmm. like, oh, well, we're just perfect for each other. So it's just going to we're going to cruise our way to happily ever after, you know, but there is an intense amount of work that is required to produce a healthy relationship. Absolutely. And when you have that mentality of the one and you get married and all of a sudden a year in, there's horrible problems going on and dysfunctions and failures and the first thing that comes to your mind is not we need to work on this it was oh my gosh i made a mistake they're not the one the wrong yeah. person this right. wasn't the one right and this is where divorce comes yeah. in mm -hmm. and let me go find them i shouldn't have ever been married to him oh i thought they were but i missed it yeah. rather than this is and this is really why i avoid it and even if the one theology did exist which i don't think it does i would still avoid it yeah because i would want to overemphasize the importance of selflessness, yes, you know, and all of those foundational elements of uh, of marriage, as far as trust and and communication and and being there for them and putting their needs above your own and loving your wife like Christ loves the church, understanding that those are pivotal. Yes. They're not just like byproducts of finding the one. Yeah, it is pivotal to create a healthy marriage. Yeah, healthy marriage takes lots and lots and lots of work. Yeah, and so. To think that something is just, oh, it's just a puzzle. It's just going to fit. Do some people's personalities click better than others? Absolutely. Yeah. Does it? D does someone else's ministry just perfectly complement and it just clicks? Absolutely. But that's not saying the same thing as this person was the absolute one designed for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and do I believe God puts people together? I do believe that. Mm -hmm. I do believe God takes two people and brings them together. But that's still not the same thing as the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I do believe my relationship with my wife was spirit led. I really mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Brother Bailey told me, he said, when God was creating your wife, he was thinking about you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so 
I do believe to a degree that he can take somebody and he knows what I need as a man. Yes. And my wife has every, everywhere I'm weak, my wife is strong. Mm -hmm. And God brought us together. Yeah. He absolutely did. Yeah. I believe our relationship was spirit led. Yes. It wasn't random. It wasn't the rolling of the dice. Yeah. That's not what I'm arguing for. No. Yeah. But I am saying if you have the one theology. Right. And things get hard. You might have an attitude to just, yeah. Well, I guessed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and I'll say this: in my own experiences, like you're saying with your wife, right? When I was dating before, you know, I dated my husband, and I went to the Lord and I said, "Hey, is this good?" You know, He said, "Listen, if that's what you want," because I was that girl that kept wanting to force it to be good, you know, and and make it happen. And it wasn't bad by any means, but the Lord reveal to me i will bless that i will bless that it will shortchange some things i have for you you won't have access to certain things but if that's what you want that's okay like i'm not gonna be upset with you i'm not gonna be angry with you i'm not gonna cast you into hell you just won't be able to do certain things that i have for you but i'll bless that or you can go back to nothingness and having no option and nothing and trust me for what i have for you so that just that for me that disproves the one thing because it's like like you said covenants are greater than than anything else. If you choose to enter a covenant, that's the one now. Yes, right. that is right. your one. There's right. no yeah, such right. thing right. as right. having that is your the one. wrong person. Right. Yeah. You know, and and for me that showed that God can bless something that is a good thing. Yeah, but if he if you want to build that trust with God and that dependency on God and yeah. not make things happen for yourself that he could still bless but you really want to live by the voice of god then you could do that too Mm, and there might be a greater thing or a better thing yeah you know but that's different than like you said than the one you know yeah and i think you said that very well my favorite thing about this segment is now every time a bible college student asks me this i can just say watch the podcast. hey (laughs) i'm gonna clip this section from the podcast yeah i feel like we answer this question on like right. all the time. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and ultimately, uh, I'll 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 say part of my last statements, and I'll leave the second part for part three, which oh, we're going to do on, on engagement. Uh, and I re- I reiterate that there is no such thing as having married the wrong person. There is such thing as being engaged to the wrong person, being dating the wrong person. But as soon as you say "I do," that is the one. That is the right one for you. For the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And you could be one of two things. In your relationship. In your marriage. You can either experience the joy of resurrection. Or the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Where Christ was suffering for a sinful people. That didn't want anything to do with him. And was unfaithful. Or the joy of the resurrection. Of two individuals coming together. And life coming from the union. Between God and the church. the church, Christ and the church. And a man and a woman. Yeah. Bonus question here. Okay. <laughs> is it okay. Just because I don't know when's the next time we're going to do dating. Uh, is it okay. For a man. To date. A girl that's older than. than yes. Him? Yes. I yeah. think Is that so. alright? Right. Absolutely. I think too many people are discounting each other. You yes. Know, because perhaps the girl's older than, girl the guy. than the guy. Though. Yeah, no, for me, it I, it's be. been guys for me. They're like, oh, she's too old. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I feel like mostly it's because when a, a girl generally, it, it, up until, you know, later adulthood, later young adulthood, is already on a higher incline of maturity. Yeah. So a 24-year-old girl 
with an 18 year old guy is like an equivalent of a 30 year old guy with a 20 year old girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Yeah. Is there anything ethically wrong about it? No. no. Just, ethically, no. She might, she might be a little discomfortable. It just might not, not match, too, because like, yeah. of the maturity levels. But. As long as she can respect him and has respect yeah. for him and respect him as uh, the head of the household, uh, then I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that. that and I just want to say, this podcast was for dating and yes. entering into the dating realm. Yeah. Part one was preparing, preparing if, you, if you're ready to date. Yeah. 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 So. so that's good stuff. 